Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Hello there. Greetings, folks. <laughs> what is going on? Well, here we are. It's, uh, oh, let me flip that over. There we go. That's better. Now I'm looking at you. There we go. Oh, All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, the first uh, Fan Empower Presents, uh, the Fan Batch Season 1 Wrap-Up Special. It's our first live stream ever. Hopefully, uh, you guys will enjoy the uh, the show today. Hope you take part. And... Uh, just to get things started here, once again, I'd like to uh, welcome everybody in. My uh, co- regular co-hosts, Andy and Hank. Yo. What's up, world? So, I guess we can we get a few people watching already, so that's pretty cool. Oh, wicked. Uh, we're just going to wait a couple seconds here, and... Oh, hey, Scott says, and here we go. There we go. Nice. All right, so just a quick technical reminder, folks, if you're, uh, if you're presently watching us on Facebook, remember, if you have not granted Facebook uh, permissions, uh, we cannot see your name. So uh, that's fine if you want your privacy protected. I totally respect that. But if you want to know, if you want us to know who you are, you, you need to uh, give us those permissions so we can actually see who we're talking to. For, for us, let the government look at your underwear. <laughs> Just for us. Hank, you said uh, this week you might actually wear pants. Got them on. Got shorts on. They're not quite pants, but I do have pants on. Excellent. And a long shirt in case I get really excited. All right. Well, I'm not going to waste any time sort of on the uh, on the, the banter. I want to get right into sort of what it is we're doing today. We're going to take a look back at the entire season of uh, The Bad Batch. We uh, just wrapped up all 16 episodes last week. And, uh, you know, it was a lo- it felt like a long... I mean, 16 episodes that we did over a period of 15 weeks, it felt like a very long, man, that's probably the longest review uh, review series that we've done yet. Yeah, Mandalorian. I think Mandalorian, yeah, was a shorter shorter series. That's right. Yeah. Rewatching it in the last two days, like binging it, like straight through. Yeah. Um, and happening to like hit my wall at episode eight, the first really? night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I start late, right? I get off work. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Having hit my wall at at episode eight and then starting, you know, again the next night at episode nine, it really felt like two seasons. Right. Two shorter seasons. And the cliffhanger of episode eight is a lot stronger than the finale. Really? It just felt that way. I mean, we got Omega has just been taken by Cad Bane. Right, 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 right. We're we're left, we're left not knowing a damn thing. And 
you know, it's just so strong. And I mean, and immediately episode nine, she's recovered. We start back on the journey again. Right. Uh, so it felt like, uh, certainly, uh, definitely a midway point, but yeah, more yeah. like, uh, more like a season break, more like a season break for me. Like, and, sure, yeah. and I had that feeling about the finale too. If it had been aired like a one hour total, it's, it, it has more impact the, the, the retelling of the rehashing of the ideas to us felt stilted because we were separated by a week. Yeah. But when you watch them back to back, they're just recapping for Hunter who's in the room and it makes a lot more right, sense. Right, right. Distance by a week though, it, it almost doesn't work. With that first, uh, the, I should say first two episodes that were released uh, simultaneously, that's sort of the way that we got it. And so you had this big infusion of like, oh, here, stuff. Ugh. And then put the brakes on. <laughs> <laughs> and and wait a week for uh for the next thing to come out and like you say i think the for us we kind of that that analytical review style we really we pull a lot more out of it because we are watching it through a sort of the, the microscope of uh of uh review so it's a little yeah. it's a little different for us i think oh. the biggest flaw i could point out you know is for me yeah the show 16 episodes it peaked in episode four you think so? And for me, uh, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, it had. Uh, we'll talk more about it soon. But episode four gave us the most promise, right? It it, it dangled the biggest fish, and it and inevitably it was the most unfulfilled of the sort of prophecies that we came up with. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you're right. I feel like everything after episode four was just like us waiting for for episode four point five. Right. Right. So I want to I want to go back to uh, what is it June 2020 and uh, the announcement uh, for the Bad Batch. So keep in mind, it you know the show came to air, uh, what a year after the announcement. Yeah. And I don't know how long it takes to produce a, a full, uh, fully produce an animated series, but it seemed to me like things were probably well in motion by the time that we got this announcement. So let me let's just bring that up for a second here. Here's the announcement uh, from oh my god what. Uh, June, June 2020, uh, and it yeah. actually talks about sort of the the order for the series, but it talks about the premise of the show, and that's kind of where I want to start today, is with the premise. So it actually says uh, the series follows the elite and experimental clones of the Bad Batch, first introduced in the Clone Wars, as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars. Members of the Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones who vary genetically from their brothers in the clone army, each possess a singular exceptional skill, which makes them extraordinarily uh, effective soldiers and a formidable crew. In the post-Clone War era, they will take on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose. So, that having been said, um, that's the premise of the show. I guess I really want to... Uh, first question I have for you guys, and really for those of you who are watching, is uh, did the uh, uh, oh my lord, where am I going here? Did the uh, premise or the show actually live up to the premise that we were given a year ago? I think so. I think they uh, nailed it. I, yeah, um, because it gave us so much more in the world. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly it certainly fits with all the other things that were going on. It, it it sits it sits in the narrative very well. Right, like right. It, it, it's it feels like it's Clone Wars. It feels like it's Rebels. There was a meme um, that floated around not too long ago, uh, and I think I sent it to you guys where it was uh, 
you know, uh, the Clone Wars. It was uh, Fred, Fred from uh, Scooby Doo, and he was sort of uh, he was looking at the villain, and and pasted on the villain's head was the the logo for the for the Bad Batch, and then when he took the hood off, it was like Clone right. Wars season eight. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, exactly. And we even open like that. We, Absolutely, the, we do. Yeah, the show even opens with Clone Wars and. Uh, it, in the red, the way we left the Clone Wars at the end of season seven, and then it burns away. And yeah, we even have yeah, the yeah. voiceover. You know, the last, the very last serial, sort of, sort of the first episode is the last episode of Clone Wars. Yeah, you that, know, that, uh, we get that narration opening. For sure. I, I always think of them as those 1940s uh, serialized newsreels. That's right. You know, like uh, breaking news, everybody. Like, like that guy who was the the same voice actor who did Yularen. Uh, so on that, yeah. when and I really and like Yoda. that aspect. I really like that aspect of the show. I guess the uh, the follow up question to that would be: Over the course of the show, did did the Bad Batch do enough to differentiate itself from the Clone Wars to to be its own thing, to to live and breathe on its own? I think so. I think we're given enough, like, they're they're completely out of their element. Right, and right. And they're forced to grow in this new galaxy post-Clone War. That's right. So. I I don't know if they stand alone. I don't know if, like, I actually don't know if the, any of these characters I, I give a darn about. Right. Like, r- really? Without being propped up by all the things that make this what it is. And that's the gotcha, sets. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. And the cameos and the... The larger narrative, which is like how the Empire became the Empire in the aftermath of Order sixty six, and I'm, I'm, I'm more invested in the narrative than the actual characters. So when Rex appears on yep. screen, I'm yep. like, okay, I'm back in, right, right. And then when, and sort of the next episode when the the uh, that trail isn't followed, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I, and I realize it's not missed opportunities because we're going for the long haul here, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know that propped up by all these things that are essential Star Wars, what people actually are arguing and saying small galaxy syndrome. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I disagree. I think I feel that it it doesn't stand on its own very well. Certainly, without... I think it's uh, there is a definitely a barrier to entry. If this is your first if this is your first uh, uh, take at Star Wars, this is probably not the show to do it on, because as you say, it doesn't you know, it. It doesn't work without being propped up by all the other things around it. So not that you can't enjoy it, you know, on a on no, some no. level. It's but visually, it's stunning. Absolutely. It's visually stunning. But rewatching it after having watched it analytically and trying to just enjoy it, I was like, you know, I could watch Rebels every day, <laughs> right? I could watch the films pretty much every day. There's some days I just feel like not today. But right, I could. so... Here's here's a common uh, so Scott says that I think it filled my Star Wars fix and opens the door to everything else that's coming and you're absolutely right and we know that as as fans of the property the larger property and seeing you know having been fans of the films and fans of all the other animated series and knowing what's to come you know for us I think there's a sense of anticipation at like uh, connecting those dots and and filling in those gaps at the same time, the flip side to that is if that's not your thing, then that could be a little bit of a disappointment. It's like, oh, I already know what's going to happen. Give me something new. I want to see something different. And I guess that's where I'm kind of like, does the Bad Batch differentiate itself enough that it is something different? I don't Arguably, know. Omega is like the gateway for new fans, especially young fans, sure. to maybe yeah. latch on to something there because yep. she is wholly unique. 
she's actually wholly unique in Star Wars. So right, I will right. give them that. And if there's a gateway for young fans to get on board, uh, right. it's probably that character. She's not strong enough for me to keep me, you know, without all that other super crazy cool stuff that's going on. Right. Uh, you know, no, nods to the places and people and, and events and things. I probably would have checked it. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to I'm going to bring up the next point here. And uh, somebody else has a, a very strong opinion about Star Wars. And I think we should just take a look and have a listen to what this guy actually has to say about uh, about Star Wars and, and what it should mean uh, to you as a viewer. So. Take a second and uh, have a listen to uh, to this. This job is great in so many ways. I think people think the job is great because we get to tell the story, because we, we do these effects, because we get these experiences, because we go to celebration, right? But also great is just standing on the side and watching somebody. You know, again, like I said, I saw that child inside John that he experienced Star Wars. I sit there with Peyton. You see your crew just staring at Mark and you realize they're remembering what it meant to them. And you realize that you've been a part of constructing something that's giving that experience to people, this good feeling, which fundamentally Star Wars should deliver a good feeling, an uplifting feeling in you and your family, your kids, whatever. All right, I got to hand it to Dave Filoni, who, uh, you know, definitely has a pretty solid finger on the on the pulse of what the property is. Certainly he wouldn't be in the position that he's in um, if he didn't. So... Um, after hearing that, what do you guys think about, you know, how you should feel about Star Wars? I mean, I've never really considered, like, I'm a big fan of don't tell me how to feel about anything, but like, for me, does he not, to me, he nails it on the head. Like, I, I totally agree with him in the sense that it should be an uplifting feeling. And I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent certain that the Bad Batch delivered on that. His opinions freak me out all the time because they're my opinions, right? And yeah, then, yeah, And then yeah. I sit and I go, I'm super relieved because of that in a narcissistic way. I'm super relieved because <laughs> then I know that somebody is in charge of the project that yeah. has my interests. Absolutely. Like, 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 cause I tend to be on the same page with the guy. When you hear him describe that duel with, with, uh, Maul between Maul, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Oh, and yes. How yeah, 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 yeah. That singular moment is to the entire series. That's right. When you and and you know that that guy is a fan and that it's inside his heart like us and it's you know that's a weird thing to say about somebody else's property, but you know when I see a, a guy like that talk, you know and and it resonates I it makes me feel really good as a fan. So did this did this make me feel good? Right. Uh, at least once every episode, except for maybe one episode, I went oh, wicked. Uh, you know. Maybe it didn't leave me where I wanted to be left, except the narrative actually, you know, actually, it left me exactly where I want to be, to tell you the truth. Right. That last right, scene right. with no characters, no nothing, just a mountain on a, on a planet that isn't named, unless it's in, you know, how it got named, um, is exactly where I want to be in the narrative. Uh, so that's perfect. And, and yeah, it, I mean, I, I, I felt great thing. I, I mean, there were ups and downs, for sure. But yeah, it left me feeling like good. I think if you uh, if you go back and you look at our shows over the course of the last 15, uh, 15 weeks, and you could probably tell just from our own energy level and maybe some of the off comments that we've made about, you know, which episodes really meant something to us. Uh, certainly, I know, like, the second last episode, we were we were real. I watch every show that we do. I mean, it's it, maybe it's a little narcissistic to do that, but uh, 
I watch all of our stuff as the as a content creator. I'm very in, invested in what we're delivering. So I Quality see, control. yeah, and I see the I see the energy levels uh, from us, or in some cases the uh, the lack thereof. And it's like, oh, okay, so it's not just me. Um, but I would agree with you that you know, on a whole, more more episodes than not left me with a good feeling. Like, hell yeah, it feels like Star Wars. You know, the same way that uh, we came off of the, the sequel trilogy, thinking that, okay, it's new Star Wars, but there's something missing. And then The Mandalorian came along and it had everybody, like, globally sucked right back in, like, this feels like Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, we've already sort of established that, the, at least where the three of us are concerned, that we are way more receptive to and and forgiving i don't even want to say forgiving because there's really nothing to forgive about the prequel trilogy we like them we embrace them and as i've said and and you've said millions we've said dozens of times how much uh these animated series uh, do to recontextualize and broaden those uh, pre-existing stories and just make them deeper and better and i think that uh the bad batch is just going to be an extension of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a chapter in a huge book. A big right? time. Big uh, time. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of chapters in Game of Thrones that I just wanted to skip over. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> all right. kinds of them. Right? But inevitably, you're 10 chapters past, and you're like, what the hell, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. So, and as a completist, you know, like a collection guy, and as a completist, I don't yep. mind reading the teen novels. I don't mind reading... 50 comic books a week if they're available. I, I, I want to know the whole story. I want to be, I want to replace Pablo Hidalgo. One oh, day. yeah. <laughs> I think there's a few people uh, this year that want to replace him after uh, his newsworthiness. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of the, of the series and sort of the ups and downs of the, uh, of the series as a whole. And uh, the first one I want to open with is let's talk about uh, episodes, specifically Let's look at the uh, the the best and worst episodes of the series. Just let's go around sort of the the circle. And guys, if you're watching, if you guys have a favorite or a favorite episode or an episode that you really didn't like, drop us a comment and let us know your thoughts. Uh, I don't know, Andy. Do you want to take a first shot at this? No, I can take first shot. Sure. Um, Do it. As far as my best episode, it yeah, was yeah, definitely Return to Camino episode 15. It paced well. There was lots of action, and at the very end, it left me wanting more. Like, yeah, yeah. give me the next one right now because I need more of what I just saw. Gotcha, gotcha. But then we flip to my weakest episode, or the worst, I guess, and it would be the season finale. 16. Because, I mean, yes, it was still more of the same. Like, it had all the action beats that you need. Right. But it was so fast, and it was, like, over like that. And it's like, okay... You know, Legends had done such a good job at fleshing out all of this uh, this period of time, and then so you sort of had the uh, the general public or the uh, the Star Wars fandom really was leaning into that because, as we know, and and it's going to come up a few times throughout the course of the show, is the expanded universe uh, in new and creative ways keeps getting pulled forward into the new canon. So there was a lot of discussion in the fan community about this clone uprising, clone uprising. And you thought that maybe the the fundamentals were sort of getting laid for that. And next thing you know, as you say, we get to episode 16, Camino's, you know, a ghost town. There's nobody there. Oh, I guess we're not getting that. So 
you know, I can certainly, again, putting the brakes on and like you say, Hank, watching it back to back probably has a bigger impact, but you know, certainly some disappointment there, not just for you, Andy, but for a lot of the fans. And I know like the, the shot at the end with uh, the mountain facility is like supposed to yeah leave you wondering, but it's like, uh, it just wasn't enough for me. Well, for all of you uh, expanded universe aficionados, you know what, uh, you probably have a pretty good idea of what you were looking at, and and we're definitely going to dive deep on that one a little bit later in the show. But let's save that for uh, yeah. for down the down the way here. Because talking with you guys actually set me closer to where I needed to be. Gotcha, for, gotcha. For resolution lets it sit a little bit better for you. It does. It does. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, but that's post yeah, show. That so. happens a lot here. I I tend to get my opinions you not changed, but just reframe. Right. Which is nice because you know how we got to evolve. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, favorite episode for me, it's got to be, uh, I'm going to go, maybe not the popular opinion, but I'm going to go with Common Ground. That's the episode that we uh, saw the Bad Batch rescue uh, former Separatist Senator Avi Singh. And, uh, you know, it really, um, over the course of the series, which is, you know, set up to uh, take these guys and, and basically pull them out of their element and stick them in this position where suddenly we have to make all of these. It's a big, the whole show show is a big morality play is really what it is. And this one, I think more than any episode challenged the morality of, of the team. And they had to make these tough choices that suddenly now they're, they're responsible for picking up somebody who, you know, ostensibly 10 minutes ago was the enemy. Yeah. And uh, we saw, you know, how each character kind of struggled with that, especially, particularly Echo, who I've I've said right along is essentially, you know, he's kind of the mirror image of Rex in, in this series, where he's the most, you know, uh, he feels the loss of the Republic Army more than anybody else on the team. Uh, so for him, having to go and rescue a Separatist senator was a really, uh, it was a big deal. So to see him come around at the end, you know, that with his uh, final quote about live to fight another day uh, to get talk about resolution for him and for the team to have that resolution. And it tells us as the viewers that the galaxy is now a changing place and the lines are blurred, um, which I think is kind of a hallmark of Star Wars, you know, like, uh, you know, right and wrong, good and evil. It's really all in the perspective of sort of mm. what, what side of the fence do you sit on, I guess. Yeah, your enemy yesterday may not be your enemy tomorrow. I agree with, yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Uh, at that it, that episode definitely has their biggest sort of uh, 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 evolution mark beyond just revolving around Omega. Yeah, yeah most yeah. of their evolution is like uh, individual relationship stuff. Yes, so that's their biggest like galactic check. Yeah, that they pass. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. That that's a very strong moment for the characters. Yep, and I actually don't think that the characters had a lot of strong moments that didn't reflect around you know. Right. Uh, right. Right. Right, except for maybe Hunter and his relationship with Crosshair, nobody was that great developed. We have moments, right? That's right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, and then worst for me, uh, we talked about this the other day, Andy, you and I offline, and and uh, I didn't immediately go to episode uh, sixteen, but I did put it as an uh, as an honorable mention. It's kind of the it's a little muddy for me because I, I mean, I made a lot of jokes about episode 13 infested where I kept referring to it as the, the pitch black episode. Mm-hmm. And you know, more so than any other episode to me, that one felt kind of filler ish. And I know I don't, I don't like to use that word a whole lot because I think every episode has some redeeming qualities and it does push the story forward. But 
again, this one was kind of filler, but again, so like I say, the silver lining in that one is that it showed us the strategic importance of Ord Mantell in the, uh, in the criminal, in the underworld. Uh, and it suggests that uh, Sid uh, may in fact uh, be more powerful than we are actually shown as a, as an audience. So, you know, as much as it's filler, there, there is a silver lining. So yeah, infested is probably my least favorite. Uh, mm. it, was, it was tough to pick a favorite. Like there was a few, I guess, but uh, like I said earlier, um, probably episode four cornered, um, yeah. Fennec Shand, um, just the, the chases through, through like, you know, crazy underworld cities and the, the palette, the, uh, the uh, the attack of the clones analogies as we chase through the, the street on speeder bikes and stuff the neon colors the um the fact that like we we, we understood that this is sort of the genesis of the uh, fennec shan character deeper and then i can't deny the proximity to boba fett there which was the for me which was the early promise right of this whole show like the where we were going what it so it this this show for me this episode for me was symbolic of like the promise that this this whole thing held yeah and um you know i, I guess i kind of got to say that because it was unfulfilled promise it's almost at the same time my least favorite episode really it, it took me high it really took me super high yeah, and, then yeah, yeah. Was, uh, and then i was like you know and i do feel and i maybe this is controversial but i feel like out of 16 episodes we peaked there yeah 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 uh, and we had really cool moments like the, the Cad Bane moments were like, you know, that was a really good episode, too. And seeing, you know, just just little things inside that episode four. We've seen Wrecker move tanks. We've seen. Right. You right. Know, these feats. And then Fennec Shan just does this little spin kick and smashes his head up and it, he's out. Right. You're like, wow. You know, and then it's I, the proximity to Boba Fett just kept, you know. And then when they started talking about Alpha and you know, Alpha and Omega, and it was dipping back into yeah, that, and I yeah, thought, yeah. you know, and then we got Fennec Shand again in that Cad Bane second Cad Bane episode. I thought we're getting so close, we're getting so close. I we actually we were pretty bold in that, and we uh, we predicted with you know with no twice. uncertainty that we were getting a Boba Fett appearance in the series. And uh, I don't know how your shoes taste, but man, <laughs> the dis- the disappointment when it didn't happen. That season two yeah. needs something. One of mine it does, yeah. One yeah. of mine is a sweaty cast. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but my least favorite episode overall, honestly, is the same as you. Thirteen. Thirteen. And, and, and just from the idea that if we cut one episode absolutely out and I had never seen it, yep. that episode wouldn't have affected me at all. No, me neither. And I think that's kind of why I went with it. Because even like, even though 16 was like, and not to say that 16 was bad, but coming on the heels of 15, like you say, there's that like, so, but it still works towards advancing the plot to the next season. And that, and again, I get it. That's and that sort of after, after cut you know the the after credit scene if you will the after yeah. cut yeah. you know it cut to black and then we were on Wayland and yeah wow. yeah yeah so at, at the same time it had like the weakest sort of get there and then yeah. when we got there it's actually the you know that's that's Tython yeah yeah from, yeah from the Mandalorian yeah it's crazy that they left us there I think that's mental Kim says a great moment was uh, Hera being introduced and uh, to look into her parents. Although it didn't really advance Omega's origins or her story. No, I guess it really didn't. Well, it gave Omega a friend. 
It did, you know, and it's funny because we talked about that. It, you know, gives her her first age appropriate friend. But even the lines are blurred on that now when when we know that she's the oldest clone. So, you know, how many years has she actually got? How many years do any of them have outside the tube? That's that's my question, really. Well, you look at Boba still running around in the Mandalorian. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. he's got a few left to go. Yeah. And so should Omega. Right, right. The the first Hera episode was my honorable mention for my favorite episode because yep. I just love the character and I love Rebels a lot. And the second Hera episode was my runner-up for worst episode because, it, again, it was unfulfilled prophecy. It was just oh, like, yeah, why, yeah. why are you taking me here and not... And not, not paying it off and, some way. And so all I can hope is that that's a, 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 down the line. You know, they didn't have Darth Vader in every single episode of Rebels. But right, counted, right. He was there, and I would have liked to seen Hera's finale count more. It didn't, re- you know, it didn't. I, I expected something bigger in that second episode with respect. To I go back to the cool. very to the very first episode uh, to the premiere with the uh, appearance of and you know, the cameo of of uh, Depa Bilaba and Caleb Doom. Was that just a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge for us as the audience? Or, you know, is that going to pay off down the road? Like, I feel like these cameo appearances uh, and the the choice of which characters to introduce at what point I feel is very intentional. So I don't I don't feel like it's a throwaway moment, but like you say, like to what end? If you open this show with Order 66 without any personal investment. Yeah. Without a character. See, ostensibly, the clones are rescuing a character that we care more about than they do. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's a gateway into how their heads work. If that, if Caleb's not there in that episode, it doesn't work. Right. Why right. do we care about these guys rescuing a random Padawan or threatening a random Padawan or maybe yeah. even, uh, you know, saving a random Jedi or just taking out random clones after they've killed a random? No impact there. We right, need right. Caleb Dune in that scene. He's the only one that could have been in that scene. Well, to, to, as a, you know what I mean. There's nobody no. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. There. Well, see, here's the thing, and I'm going to get to this later. Especially when I talk about when we get to talking about sort of like uh, dangling threads and sort of maybe where the show could be going, and I and I do want to come back to that because I have some very strong thoughts about that. But I'm going to save it for just a little bit later. Right now, let's let's talk about let's go over to this one. So now we've we've talked about sort of the episodes sort of uh, as a whole, like kind of our highs and lows of episodes, but. Again, like every episode delivered on some level and maybe disappointed on another. So let's talk about sort of our our favorite and least favorite moments uh, throughout the series. And uh, I don't know. I guess I'll go first on this one. All righty. <laughs> so the first one for me, uh, and we this was a huge moment for me because remember I came into the show as a uh, as a naysayer. So um, for me. Oh, now I can't even find it. I have a picture here that I wanted to bring up. Oh, I wish I, I wish I had uh, sorted this out a little bit better. Um, we'll get there. But essentially, it's the, uh, you know, when we get the uh, the hunter vision through his uh, through his helmet, and uh, we finally paid off uh, Republic Commando, which uh, you know, as a huge Republic Commando fan, uh, I felt that the Bad Batch, at least initially was kind of doing a sort of a, a disservice to uh, to the series. Oh, there it is. There we go, the Hunter Vision. So getting that really was like a, you know, a, a nice nod uh, to the game, which clearly inspired uh, the look for a lot of the clones, as we see later on with the introduction of Gregor and, in fact, the rest of the, uh, I guess we can call them Imperial Commandos. 
And then I guess the other one for me, uh, the one that I just loved was the uh, in the two-part Ryloth uh, arc when uh, Tech goes full howling mad Murdoch with the Havoc Marauder and throws it into a power slide and uh, allowing Wrecker to uh, take out all those uh, turbo laser batteries. The man is a mad genius. He just doesn't show it. <laughs> <laughs> so those are probably, uh, those are my favorites. And then, uh, you know, this one, least favorite or worst moment for me, uh, it comes up repeatedly and we talked about it extensively in, uh, in our last show was Crosshair and his, his brooding, you know, I, I do horrible things and then I feel bad about it. Man, I said it last week and I'm going to say it again. Like, you're going to have to pick a side and lean into it because if you keep writing him down the center, I'm going to lose interest in this character. Uh, so, yeah, for me, that was sort of the least appealing uh, aspect of the of the entire show, to be honest. What about um, you, uh, you guys? Best moment for me is probably when Cad Bane steps around that corner, actually. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was yeah, the yeah. one moment that I went, whoa! I mean, even... I, I had moments that were, you know, like I enjoyed some of the story beats more and some of the larger arcs more, but the singular moment that made me go, whoa! Was Cad Bane on screen when he just popped standing there floor. going, yeah, 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 yeah. That, wasn't that was, mu- yeah, wasn't that much was like work this, at all. Like, you know, if I could put a pin in the whole thing, that that moment for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. don't know if I could pick out a, a worst moment, but there was there was so many um, things in 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 episode thirteen that just didn't move any of the plot beats forward. There's a couple that did. The yeah. Sid being powerful and stuff and. Went way down that uh, Durant rabbit hole to see if the the uh, Broken Horn Clan had any, you know. Gotcha, it, gotcha, it, yeah. <laughs> they were disconnected. Yeah. Um, and for me, just maybe the whole episode is the worst moment of the season because <laughs> it didn't, it didn't really. Wow. Like it's a whole twenty-eight minute moment. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I could really, I could really watch the whole series again and skip that episode. It's like. When I binge watched, like, say, The Office, I skipped the Christmas episodes. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> you, know you say I mean? that. I was actually thinking about... In July, I don't want to watch that. I was actually thinking about rewatching the series and, like, which episodes could I completely skip over and not miss a beat in the yeah, grand scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always skip the holiday episodes, except uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's <laughs> Halloween episodes are the bomb. Oh, uh, yeah, that and, uh, and uh, oh, my God, what's the, the annual competition? The uh, the jib-jab. <laughs> or yeah, the, the jib-jab. Uh, the the jib-jab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Jam Awards or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. awesome, awesome show. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Rio Durant or and your very powerful mother who we've never even heard. Oh, of. Oh, Ro- Roland Durant. Um, yeah, <laughs> Roll. Yeah, yeah, Roland yeah, yeah. Durant. Um, yeah, uh, that's for me for sure. Uh, and yeah, Cad Bane and, and uh, the, yeah, definitely. Where are you at, Andy? Uh, my favorite moment, I'm going to go in with the Moochie versus Wrecker fight. Moochie, 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 Moochie. And I do yeah. like the Moochie. I Just leaning gotta... into that and letting him slug it out until neither one can stand. And it's like, oh, I all right, Wrecker a... can almost take a Rancor. You get a shot. Oh, there he is. Let's put that up there. Moochie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a really high. That was a high moment for me too. And I mean, if you go back and and watch our uh, review of that, and how stoked I was at the thought of, oh my god, it's the rancor from the from Jabba's pit. And then it's like, mm-hmm. no, not really. And that was a letdown. 
Eh. But it got us the most traction in posts, and you know, there was it was the biggest conversation we were a part of, yeah. oddly enough, and the whole thing. That yeah, was the really. thing people had an opinion on the most. It know? is, yeah, yeah. I was like, is it or isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, my other, and it's not so much a moment, but the entire series, the amount of pop culture nods to other do, properties, to other properties, other well. properties. Yeah. So be it the director or the animators or whoever, yeah, showing their influences, and that was fantastic for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, just off the top of my head, we had the uh, we have the the Cheers analogy with uh, with Bolo and Catch, yeah. um, and then what else? We got uh, just last week we had the, the Pokemon reference with the, Pokemon, the Pokeballs, uh, Jurassic Park references, yeah, yeah, there yeah. Was Rambo, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, ET. Like all yeah. sorts of sci-fi properties. I mean, like, uh, the A Team. It's the, the Bad yeah. Batch is essentially the A Team. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't miss that stuff. You can't not. You can't not see it. <laughs> yep. It's almost integral to the way that we watch shows now that, that all that stuff is there. And it's, right, right. It's kind of what I feel about the whole thing is that it's it's being propped up and without the without the you know, Camino sinks into the ocean without the, the, the struts. Yeah. And yeah, I kind yeah. of feel that about the whole thing. Without these like those kind of moments and the actual character and place moments. Fair enough. What was your right. worst moment, Andy? Yeah. Uh my worst moment, um, Probably just the dangling threads with the bounty hunters, because yeah. oh my like, god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nalase and the prime minister Lamasu there, they're like, you know, okay, we're just gonna leave this plot thread because she's with them, and that's better than being with the empire. But at no point did uh, no Lamasu, the prime minister, yeah, at no point did he say that he called off the bounty hunters. No, he, he, didn't, he still did wanted he? Yeah, her back. Yeah, yeah. that's so, true. Yeah. No, and having just rewatched that, Omega makes a big deal of it. You know, she's all inside herself and emotional, saying, "Well, can we just keep running if they're just going to keep sending bounty hunters?" And for a while, we kind of thought that was the whole premise of the show, right? And, right. And if it's kind of stuff we were expecting, yeah. So you know, nowhere. Don't yeah. worry, you're never going back to Camino. <laughs> that's that episode actually yeah. where he promised that's right yeah he's yeah. breaking it down saying they're gonna find us and he's like no you're fine yeah you'll never have to go back there which means you're definitely don't, going don't worry back about there. that i just was defeated by cad bane don't worry about that uh, that duel was awesome actually that's uh, one let's stick with lama Sue for a second because uh th- i know there was some key at least for me there was some confusion on what was the contingency plan are we satisfied that omega was to be used uh, her genetic material was to be used for the next generation of superior clone to impress the emperor. I think so. Yeah. Is that what we're going with? Well, with Boba Fett certainly... being in the wind, right? She's the remaining right. pure strain. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the Alpha and the Omega thing again. Yeah. yeah. And I actually think that's what they were talking when they said we only need one of them. They weren't talking. Oh yeah, about yeah, the one of we the batch. They were talking about crosshair. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Actually, only needed either one of Boba or. You know, that, yeah, and that certainly makes makes Mobile more sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still think there's room for them to uh, to collide. <laughs> well. There better be. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Knowing that we're in for more, for longer haul, I'm not so, I'm not so worried. If no, I'm not like, either. Oh, this was 16 episodes all, you know, and they were just dangling threads to for us to chase in our minds. I'd be a little more, you know, all right. upset. Not upset, it's the wrong word, but. I'm okay. I, I trust Dave Filoni a lot. I do too. I mean, the uh, I said it earlier. I, I don't remember which episode we were talking about when I brought it up, but uh, I was so critical of the Star Wars story group uh, because of what happened in the trilogy, uh, fil- the sequel trilogy films. 
but with the Bad Batch and the last season of Clone Wars, it actually feels like, and Hank, you can you can sort of touch on the comic book aspect of this. But I actually feel like the story group is actually doing their job and things are cohesive. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's pretty solid. Uh, the comic books are just like this uh, being propped up by all the coolness that we love, but starring yeah, yeah. characters that we already give a frig about. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I check myself there. <laughs> but, you know, like if we're, we're following uh, an adventure about Luke Skywalker, the man, right? Right. Between, between Empire and Jedi and learning some actual canon facts that we didn't know. Yep. And they're being propped up by he's on Onderon, he's on, you know, Polis Massa. He's, you know, cool things like that. But it's somebody we care about. It's the, the props fade back and they just become what they're meant to be, which is Easter right, right. instead of actual... You know, hey, we're still watching Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, we we said it in uh, the Mandalorian that lightsabers make Star Wars better, and uh, we only saw what two lightsabers in the entire in the entire course of the series, and it was in Episode yeah. One. But yeah. you notice they were used like exclamation marks. They definitely they were. were. Yeah, used, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. They were like, "Whoa, okay." So the gravitas, the rarity of a lightsaber. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go back and you think, "What's going on in Obi Wan's mind that he just pulls one out in a bar just to stop a fight? Why didn't <laughs> he just right. like, force push the guy across?" Seriously, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Really, you know what I mean? He's like, letting, <laughs> like in hiding so long. Maybe he feels like, "Okay, I got Luke. I got the droid. We're yeah, going. Really. I don't have to hide anymore." I now know but what that my was destiny always is. A questionable choice to just whip at a lightsaber in a bar. Sure, and let's sure. Go. Yeah. yeah. But after cutting Jedi. Anakin's limbs off, maybe he's had a taste for it and has just been building for those years. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, I yeah. need release. This Give me your arm. tasted blood since Maul. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> All right, let's move on then. Let's go down to, uh, what's our next one I want to touch on? Here we go. So this I want to talk about sort of characters. And I'm, I, specifically, I want to talk about recurring characters or, or main characters per se. And sort of like, how do we feel about the, the main characters? Who do we really, really like? And maybe who do we who are we not so thrilled with over the course of the series? I don't know, Andy. You wanna uh, you wanna take us too. away on that one? Um, I kind of shied away from the core batch group because yeah. I'm you know banking on them being there for quite a while. Yep, yep. But uh, my favorite recurring one is Sid. Oh, Sid. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. And I she's grown on me. At first, didn't know where she was going. Was she gonna be friend foe? Was right, she just gonna right. sell him out? But I think going forward, she's still gonna be part of it. I do too. I actually think that there's a big role for her ahead. She's like the Charlie to their angels. She really is. Yeah, yeah. Or the Charlie or or Bosley. I guess maybe either one works. <laughs> a role, a mixed they, role of two. Didn't the show actually reveal that they were the same guy? Uh, you know what? <laughs> that I don't Bosley know. was Charlie the same way that Higgins was. Uh... Yeah, she's Higgins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, just yeah. about to say, my mouth is full of water. But yeah, she's Higgins. Uh, I actually like, I really like Sid. I kept referring to her as the frenemy. Yes. Uh, the, the person who, you know, like keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. You know, she was, uh, she walked the fence with them almost every episode where if, if they didn't, uh, kind of acquiesce to what she wanted to do, she kind of dangled that. Well, I can always tell on you. Yeah. Which I found kind of weird because, and I'm going to bring this up a little bit later when we get on to sort of the, where the show is going, but. Do you guys remember her introduction? Her introduction to the show? Where they didn't know that it was her? Well, they didn't. One, they didn't know it was her. Yeah. But, I mean, let's remember, our gateway to Sid was Echo. Yes. And although Echo yeah. said he'd never met her, he was very specific in how he introduced her to the group. That she was a Jedi informant. 
Yes. Not a Republican informant, a Jedi no. informant. And that's very yes, specific. That's right. So, yeah. you know, I have to remember that because maybe there's a silver lining or, or a, I don't know, a, a, a soft gooey in, inside that uh, doesn't come out very often with her. But I think that because that, because she was a Jedi informant, I think that there's a, a major arc or at least some more uh, important things for her to do later on. Certainly, uh, the idea that that's a that those characters are still around and may may or may not be, you know, uh, one of the best things about the the sequel trilogy, Lore Santaka, the idea that they're oh, still, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like a, a religious group of right. non Force users that's right, that yeah, are yeah. loyal to the idea of the Jedi. It's one of the cooler themes that they don't really harp on too much. Right, right, right. I like it. You got a, a a least favorite or somebody that you just didn't really give too much about? Uh, my least favorite, and it's more of a hate thing, is oh, definitely yeah. Admiral Rampart. Rampart, yeah. <laughs> that guy deserves every uh, uh, every uh, ire that is tossed his way. That guy's a, he's a dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> we always say Tarkin is the one that sort of orchestrated the whole New Order, but like. I mean, Tarkin took an idea and Rampart ran with it, and he's just like, yeah, anti-clone, pro-conscription. Like he's really, really part of the let's uh, re- reshape the galaxy. And chain codes were his idea. Yeah, there. yeah, chain codes. He's fairly yeah. ruthless. Uh, couldn't agree with you more on that one, Hank. Where are you at with uh, characters? Uh, my favorite character is Wrecker, hands down. Oh, I love I love everything record. about that character. Right. Um, his his childlike innocence and therefore his um, it's like benevolence. He's like he's the guy that could do the most damage to you, uh, and he's the guy that was least likely to do that. I remember um, uh, when it came up in the episode where you know we w- the writing was on the wall and he was you know the the headache thing and and how you you it really was apparent with you like. If he goes off, this could be a really bad thing for the rest of for everybody else. Well, they played that. I thought we might get a character. I really did think think we might get a character. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I also think if we, if I was in control of this, I would have actually played that whole thing out, and maybe it wouldn't have sat for sixteen episodes, but I would have been subtle with it. But I would have played that whole thing out because the time for him to go ape shit, to make it really interesting, yeah, yeah, is in the friggin' tube in the finale. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? For them to have to run back to that medical bay and do that, that procedure there at that critical moment and then, you know what I mean? It's the wow. uh, it's wow. the, the same sort of uh, tropes that they used for aliens. That idea that you're in this enclosed space, nowhere to go, you're, you're, you're closed in, you're always on the run. Like, that would have been more of a... Because for, for me, that was the biggest sort of, like, emotional beat of yeah. the whole show. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, like when he turned and, and he was on Omega and it was just like he was fighting, but he couldn't. Like, I was like, oh, wow, they, they really reached into my heart there. And right, so, right. Yeah, he's definitely my favorite character. There's a few, like when he jumps on the back of that, that Scrapper Guild tank and he's just yeah, like, I got yeah, this yeah, yeah, control. Yeah. There's so many just, you know, and then and then I, I made Andy make that, that meme up. Because I just felt like when she was calling out everybody else, he got the short end of it. <laughs> and I actually just watched the entire, the whole thing just in the last 48 hours. Yeah. And there are so many singular moments between her, more than any other character, singular moments between Omega and Wrecker. Uh, when they're rescued, it's Wrecker at the top of the ship saying, Omega, are you in there? Yeah. She yeah, hugs yeah, him yeah. first. She's on his shoulder after every mission, sharing the Mantel mix. Uh, he's definitely my favorite character. 
Cool. Now I actually have a controversial least favorite character. And okay. It's not because I don't love the character. In fact, it's because I love the character almost more than all the other characters yep. that he's my least favorite. Let's and that's have Echo. It. Really? It's Echo. He's so underused. He's so underused and underdeveloped, and he's gone through all this, you know. And they dabble in it. Yeah. But he's yeah. he's like, for me, he could be the leader of that team. And I know there's a dynamic going on there, like with Hunter and, and Crosshair, and it's right, on purpose. right. I just feel the biggest disservice there is to have a character as important to the whole story as Echo and then to, to underuse him. So yeah, the way know. they I use mean, Echo in this is my least favorite thing about it. We've talked before about Echo and how more than anybody else, like if anybody is, you know, got a reason to have uh, post-traumatic stress, it's him, right? Yeah. And uh, we don't really, we don't really get to touch on that a whole lot, you know, sort of no. the, that experience of having been, you know, essentially hooked up to the uh, the separatist computer system and being tortured and all that other stuff. I mean, he just goes from being, you know, suddenly you're you're unhooked, now you're a, you're a, you're a cyborg and everything's groovy. <laughs> you know? And I know we we're trying to rapidly develop characters. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, six characters actually. We're trying to rapidly develop them and get them to places, but they do a decent job of all the other characters and they 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 leave all the like he's up here when we start. We know tons about him. It yeah. wouldn't be that much more to give him a more prominent role, and still, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they they managed to make Wrecker like really interesting and Tech really interesting, and it took a while for Hunter to get interesting, but it did happen. And Crosshair was always right, interesting right, right, because right. at at the beginning you didn't know, but Echo it just left me like, man, I love Echo. What are you doing to Echo? Like, give him give him more lines for God's sakes. So I got a, we got one here from Scott. It says, speaking of Echo, uh, the toy yeah. versus what he ended up looking like in the show. Uh, is yeah. this a potential season to reveal? So that's actually something I, I uh, wanted to talk about, too, because let's bring that up because I've actually got. Um, He's got a hand. So uh, if you're familiar with the Hot Toys brand and you're an action figure collector. Um, so before you have infinite money yeah before warn a little spoiler here we already we already went through this back on the episode i'm gonna bring it up again here but this is a shot of echo in his uh his uh, 12 inch hot toy um and what is going on there new attachments so there's a there's a hand looks really much uh, very much like a protocol droid uh hand yeah so we get this sort of uh thing with echo where hot toys comes out and i mean this is not new in the in the film industry especially in the last oh i don't know since the internet's been invented that toys have spoiled entertainment properties um, to no end. Okay. Everybody can see it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and so here we have this thing with echo where it's suddenly, you know, it's not just a scomp link. He's got uh, multiple attachments. Yeah. He's got an arm and he's got a, what looks like a battering ram. And then we see again here that uh, the hand and the battering ram are extendable. And I kept thinking like, go, go gadget arm. It, yeah. Now, is this something that we were going to see? I presume that we were going to get that somewhere over the course of the season that he was going to get some kind of surgical enhancement right. and, and that never and happened. It's like from the elbow down, like everything is different in the last, the battering ram from the elbow down. That's what I mean. Like it's, different. it literally yeah. is just kind of this interchangeable kind of, as you say, any go, go gadget arm. And or, that never yeah. happened. So like to me, yeah, we were, I was secretly waiting for that moment. And I think in one of the episodes we were like, is it going to be the next episode? Because there, yeah, there's situation. only so many left. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I figure, and here's cool. the thing, right. And we know from the toys, like this is how we ended up with the blue snaggletooth, right? Because marketing happens so far ahead of actual uh, release. 
So sometimes things change. And, and like we know from the Kenner days, you know, uh, they sent over uh, the pre-production imagery of, of the Snaggletooth character from the waist up. So, I mean, the guys mm-hmm. at Kenner had no choice but to extrapolate what they were looking at. And that's how you end up with a character who's, you know, six yeah. feet tall, silver boots and a blue right. jumpsuit. And then you yeah. gets to the movie and he's actually, no, he's three feet tall, wearing red and has big furry feet. <laughs> or a character that's so over prominent in the toy line that doesn't even barely have an appearance. Like I'm looking at you, Constable Zuvio. Yeah, Zuvio. <laughs> <laughs> I figure somewhere there's a storyboard uh, that has that all laid out, and you know maybe it was a plot idea that was just dropped, sort of mid-production, but may come up later on. I don't think well, he's he actually go... he's killed in the flashback scene. He's actually killed in the flashback scene, but that's his only screen time. Oh, I, I mean with uh, Echo and his arm attachments. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, with all the attention they gave to the Kenner toy line yeah. in The Mandalorian and whatnot, I can't see them not at some point using it. Right. Like, to go back and give us, like, you know, screen-accurate versions of the stuff we knew. Like, even with uh, Bib Fortuna's staff. Oh, that? right. The uh, They paid Is off the a... Kenner toy with that. Yeah. But is there a Black Series Echo been announced or uh, either that there, I don't know about? I'm sure there has been. I I don't recall seeing anything for it. I've seen the Omega announcement. Yeah. But oh, I really? Okay. I, I was, yeah. I know that the Rex is is making his uh, making the rounds right now in the six inch Black Series. Yeah. But uh, if you already own Rex, just go and get a piece of cloth and throw it over top. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, least favorite was Echo. I guess that uh, me, you, me, me, you. No, I, I've done mine. You've done oh, it's me. Sid it's and, back uh, to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're on to you. All right. No surprise uh, going forward here. Where is it here? Oh, I was right mm-hmm. there, and then I lost it. Uh, we all know who your favorite character. I is. know, I know. But like, come on, you got to give me that moment here. There he is. Yep. Favorite character. There's my boy. There he is. With all his techisms. <laughs> Get on with it, goggles. Uh, I don't know what it is about this character other than I find him, everything he does, everything he says is absolutely hilarious. And I don't know if it's just me that feels that way. <laughs> but I, lo- I love this character. And I, like I said, he had, uh, he had his token leadership moment in the last episode. Follow me. Um, and then to see him, like I say, in, no... No surprise, it, it dovetails with my favorite moment when he uh, threw the ship into that uh, dive. The man just goes completely off the rails. It is completely uncharacteristic of everything he's ever done in the show, meaning that, you know, somewhere in there, there's a there's a wild side in there or this, you know, measure of unpredictability that you just don't know when it's going to come out. So, yeah, Tech is uh, definitely my... Uh, he's my uh, character of choice. And then my number two, it's uh, Sid. You know, just uh, she was such a compelling character with her introduction. And I just thought, and you know, this is uh, something we've never, never seen before. Real Perlman did like phenomenal work oh, yeah. bringing her to life. Yeah, yeah. I can't argue that at all. All right. So I guess that brings us up to. Oh, so that's our favorite, uh, favorite uh, recurring, uh, favorite and least favorite recurring characters. So let's talk about. Um... What about your least favorite character? Oh, my least. Okay. So this ah, nice is nice try. Oh, yeah. did I? I jumped ahead. Okay, so this is you can call it a I don't know if it's a cop out or or what it is, but my least favorite, and it's not because the character is is particularly bad. It's just because we did not get enough time with Nala Say. 
And, uh, you know, I just felt like, you know, for somebody who was so instrumental, like, you know, essentially uh, Omega's mom, uh, for somebody who's so instrumental in the cloning program and the idea that the clones still play such a prominent role in the in the season, I thought we were going to get a little bit more with her. Like, you know, we kind of went back and forth about, you know, is there this mom relationship? And we kind of, yeah, maybe, I guess so. But we never got it from her perspective. And I think if we had spent more time with her and saw things from her perspective, I think she would have been a much more compelling character. And, and you know, I was a little disappointed with her. Well, they certainly put in moments for her to develop. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, putting putting her in situations where, like, she was at odds with uh, Lama Sue and the Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet no payoff for those. Well, that, and that's just it, right? Like, we had those moments with her and I was like, oh. And then, oh, and then you don't see her for episodes at a time. Yeah. So to see her at the end where, you know, she's literally doing that blink, blink and has no choice but to enter that big Imperial facility, you know, I'm sort of, I I don't know how to feel about that. Is she just a write-off and we're never going to see her again? Or are we going to see more from her perspective in season two? I think so. As she's now working on the inside and is she going to play a role you know, uh, we know she went out of her way to to protect uh, Omega. Is she going to continue to try to do that uh, yes. subversively? So, uh, you know. She could put small thermal exhaust ports inside every clone. That's right, in every. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, there's a joke there, and a pun- there's a punchline there that I'm not. <laughs> no, we can't tell live. Perfect. Yeah, so, yeah, Nala's A, probably my least favorite, but only because we did not get enough uh, a time with her. All right, now we can move on to the next one. And that is, let's talk about the uh, the cameos. And there was a few cameos. So these are these are characters that showed up maybe once or twice um, that are not, you know, main characters or supporting cast that just maybe didn't have a big role. But, uh, you know, ones that stood out either for good or for bad. I guess we'll start with the good and I might as well just keep going so I don't forget again. <laughs> My number one. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say I, I could go first, but if you want to go first. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to get it out of the way because yeah. that way I don't forget. Uh, for me, the number one cameo, uh, who I'm sure is going to become a, a series regular, is, of course, Cad Bane. There's no doubt in my mind, like the, his reemergence. Like I, I'm sitting there watching the episode. This is my first watch through. I'm not looking at it analytically. I'm just enjoying it as a fan. And I felt my face go flush when I heard his voice and and saw the saw the spurs and the, the, the heel thrusters. And I'm like, it's fucking Cad Bane. Yeah. That was my favorite singular moment. So I do agree. I do agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So favorite cameo for sure is Cad Bane, uh, and all of the implications that it, that it, uh, means, you know, the, the steel plate on his head. And we talked about the, uh, the previous animatic where, you know, he in fact may have already had, uh, that, that show, uh, showdown, uh, the shootout at the, the Cad Bane corral with Boba Fett. Um, and that just suggests to me that there is an unresolved thing there that those two, if for no other reason, need to settle that kind of in a once and for all way. And we already know how that's going to go. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. It's a flashback waiting to happen in the book of Boba Fett. Uh, totally agree with you on that one. And then, you know, the worst or my, I guess my least favorite or, or I guess I'll use the word unnecessary, uh, cameo. I actually think it's, uh, to be honest, is uh, Saw Gerrera. 
I appreciate Saw Gerrera and what he represents to the franchise. You know, I mean, he was such a big part of uh, Rogue One and uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And then we're going to see him, we see him again in Rebels. But I thought, you know, he, and of course he was instrumental in the Clone Wars. There was a whole uh, arc on him and, and his fight on Onderon. But in this, I just felt like his introduction as a, as a, like he's already, like it's been 10 minutes since the Empire has been, you know, announced and he's already got a rebel cell going. Like, I know this is an extension of what he was doing in the Clone Wars, but they, they, I felt like they tried to shoehorn him into his, uh, his Rogue One Rebels role too quickly. Hmm. I just felt like he was unnecessary. I didn't need to see him. It could be just because they don't want to further explore him until they need him. Maybe. So they're going to get him on that path and out of your sight as quick as possible. I guess so. I guess I'm I certainly. Think, I think of it in terms of like what character could have been in that role. Could it? Yeah. Could would it have had any impact at all to us if it was somebody we didn't know? Just this rebel, a new salary. guy. I don't know. Right? Maybe so it's just it's that it's that prop again. That's all it is. It's that prop again. But I would but I say agree that it wasn't necessarily. You know that that episode. I think the the takeaway, for, at least for me, in that episode is. That's the episode where Crosshair, like, murders women and children, right? That's the takeaway from that episode is, like, already... He actually doesn't. Does he not? I was thinking about that. No, he doesn't pull the trigger once. He has the he has the elite squad pull the trigger oh, in the they, end of the episode. They do it, yeah. But yeah. he actually never gets a shot off. The whole time he's pointed at the old lady in there. And I remember watching the episode going, what's going through that guy's head? That he's willing to take out the, <laughs> the old lady Interesting. First. So, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. But he actually never murders any of those people. He I gets feel... a lead squad to do it. Turns his back when it happens, actually. Oh, wow. Now, see, I really need to go back and, and rewatch that now because that may change how I feel about that character because I'm, you know how I feel about him. I yeah. feel like he's been making conscious decisions towards the dark side from a very early, early point in the show. But has got, uh, got that vibe, but I did note, I did note that rewatching it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Actually. And then the other one for me, if I had to say anybody else would be uh, the Roland Durand character. Um, you know, you know, he's the uh, yeah. criminal by by birth, not by choice. He's uh, yeah. so so disinterested throughout the entire episode that, you know, I said it before, I'll say it again. I, he just doesn't want to be there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah again, yeah, that's yeah. that's one of the, again that's episode uh, thirteen. That's uh, what infestation, right? Yep. So I mean, like you say, you could drop that episode and not even watch it, and it doesn't make a difference in the in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, those are my, uh, my favorites and my, uh, my least favorite, but you guys, uh, I think everybody knows what my answer is, I think. And it's, uh, it's Hera. Nice. I, I went ape shit for any connection to rebels. I went ape shit. I love that character. Um, there's not, there's, it's 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 more prevalent now and and to the benefit of the whole human race that there are strong female characters that that are leaders that are that are that can handle themselves in rough situations that girls can young girls can look up to and stuff like that. Yep. Um, I'm constantly having the conversation with Lauren about how if if there were characters like like um, Harrison Dula and Sabine Wren and and, and even uh, Bo-Katan. Uh, Bo-Katan and the the Mandalorian character, forgive my, <laughs> the, the uh, Dune, Cara Dune. Cara Dune. Characters like that when she was younger yeah. that were less of just like a, a puppet, a prop saying things to make a guy look good, you know, that would have just, you know, so I can't imagine being a young girl right now and having this, if you're a Star Wars fan, to have that to actually, 
to, to embody that, you know, and then to see her Genesis as a character was awesome for me. Yeah. And I just, you know, uh, honorable mention, certainly Caleb Dune. And I really liked sort of the, the bookends of that. Like, I like seeing those two characters pop up and, and, uh, their proximity to one another. Right. But, but so far away and knowing that the trajectory that they're on, I, the, for me, those are my two favorite sort of, uh, uh, cameo appearances and uh, Hera stronger. I mean, and I gotta, I gotta actually group Chopper with Hera because that's like that pair, Package which actually deal. gives you a little more um, insight. So I get, th- I get three favorites. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it gives you more and of an insight to their connection in Rebels. They're when all intrinsically them, linked. <laughs> when you watch her and Hera interact in Rebels, and yeah. then you go back to she was a little girl, and that droid, they raised each other. Yeah, yeah, almost like a sibling relationship. More sense. So yeah, yeah. I love when I can watch something that's like retroactive, that doesn't change anything, but that informs the. the, So when I go back and watch Rebels after watching those episodes, I go, that actually, it informs me more about the characters, and that's that's what I want from that. Right, right. And um, I don't know that I had any unnecessary cameos. I don't sort of count. Rio Durant is a cameo because I never knew the character. So I was, right, right. when I was thinking about characters, I was thinking about characters I knew. And even the guy, like even uh, Sid's uh, a Thorian character oh, with, bo- with uh, the original Hammerhead. Uh, Bolo and Catch. Right. Even the original Hammerhead clothes. And yep. that one scene with the original uh, Walrus Man guy on yeah, the speeder yeah, bike. Yeah, on the speeder bike. Those yeah, things. Yeah. So I, I love all that stuff. And to me, that's more of a cameo because of the action figure. Yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Than than a character that I've never met before, but I, there's not, I don't feel any of them were, uh, too much. I, you know, in retrospect, the show needed a lot of them to keep them, to keep us super interested. The things we talked about the most were the speculation. Yeah. Big time. And, and the, the events, the, the larger narrative, when we went to Ord Mantel, we were, we all went apeshit. That's the first time we've ever been there. That was just a dropped reference in in, uh, Empire Strikes Back. And then we got to, you know, and that's, now that's one of my favorite planets. So, you know, yeah, without yeah. those, I don't, I didn't find too much unnecessary stuff except for all of the episodes. Okay. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, that's, that's a completely fair statement. I we've definitely, I think we can all agree on that at this point. <laughs> Andy, where are you we'll at? Start a hashtag remake episode 13. <laughs> <laughs> the solo it was cut. The Filoni cut, yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> The fandom power cut. (laughs) Um, I guess technically mine's not really a cameo because I think this is the first time we get introduced to him. But okay, uh, AV three, AV three. Oh, the droid. Yeah, Omega's little droid. Oh, uh, um, who shows up in episode one and then we don't see him again. uh, AZ three, AZ AZ three. Yeah, yeah. Did I not get a shot? All good. He's all through Clone Wars. I thought I got. Is he all through Clone Wars? He definitely is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. He has a whole uh, thing with Ahsoka where Ahsoka rides him like a scooter. Fair enough. I haven't got to those ones yet. <laughs> no, and he's fantastic in that in the finale. I think yeah, he might best, be the one I didn't strongest get the part of. of the finale by far. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought for sure we were going to lose him, but yeah, yeah. That, that I mean, up until that, that last moment, forces the idea that this is more for kids because that would have had a lot of oomph. Yeah. What that do you know? It's the one. It's the one character I actually didn't get a shot of. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't counting on anyone picking a droid as their favorite, so that was it. It's got Princess Leia buns. Princess Leia buns. Bob things from the black hole. Three PO eyeballs. Yeah. Three PO eyeballs. 
So there's a familiarity to him. Uh, there absolutely is. I mean, he fits that that common. I wouldn't say the common design aesthetic, but he definitely fits the Star Wars design yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my. I, uh, I love you know his primary mission, his characterization, the way he introduces himself with a string of thirty numbers. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, AZ three. That's all we're gonna call. That's it. all we need to know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's the guy. He's the one who took the chip out of, out of. Uh, uh, fives. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's the he's the surgeon that removed the chips out of those Jedi. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. did see that episode. <laughs> but uh, as far as uh, worst or unnecessary, I I'm with Hank here. I don't really have one. You don't think there's one? I don't. Uh, I like seeing everybody that showed up is like okay, just more world building and yeah, path yeah, crossing. It's not like, and, yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's not like Britney Spears showed up and I went, oh. Jeez, what the hell is that for? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even the you know even the voice cameos, I was just like, oh well, wicked. Yeah, yeah. Get another comment uh, come in. Uh, Kim says uh, Fennec Shand showing up was cool, and the potential implications with Boba Fett and Omega will hopefully be fleshed out in season two. Yeah, uh, Fennec Shand uh, as a cameo. Man, uh, I know she was announced. She was the one big cameo that was announced right at the beginning uh, yep. when the show was in, still in uh, pre-production, I guess. Yeah, the trailer or, came uh, out yeah. and everybody speculated. Well, I caught her in the trailer and I was like, is that? Yeah, is, is that uh, yeah. Fennec Shand? Yeah. So again, there's that, that whole uh, uh, Boba connection. And like I said before, when Boba Fett rescued her and essentially saved her life in The Mandalorian, like that's very intentional. Boba Fett just didn't take pity on her and decide, no, I'm going to save your life. There's a reason why he did it. And I need to know, I personally need to know what does Fennec Shan do to, to get a favor from Boba Fett? (laughs) You know what I mean? This, this was absolutely my favorite episode. It, 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 we peaked here. We, we, uh, it gave us the most promise of all, like of all the things I know, Tython or sorry, uh, Wayland and Wayland. Yeah. Bigger implications of that stuff at the very end. is super, super cool. Yep. But this just gave it the, the, the biggest set of promise and like that I could hope for, which is, and, and to quote us, uh, do all roads of star Wars lead, to lead Boba to Boba Fett. Fett. I know. And, they... and, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier with the promise that it gave me. And so maybe it's unfulfilled and I just have to have a little more emotional intelligence and wait for it to occur. But certainly, uh, I agree that that stunning, uh, cameo period. Big time, big time. All right, so you don't have a worst. That's fine. We can just move on. Uh, let's talk about sort of the, we we kind of talked, I know you made a, a way back when, when you, I remember Hank, you sent us a message uh, in our group chat where you highlighted uh, in the credits, D. Bradley Baker as the Bad Batch. And yeah, so like, yeah. you can't not talk about a show of this caliber without talking about the voice talent. And certainly uh, D. Bradley Baker uh, is up there uh the guy's, uh, you know, he's the, he's the Frank Welker of our show. You know, the man of a thousand voices, right? So, is let's, there anybody in the industry doing a million voices a week like this guy? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For fifteen years, he's sure, got to sure. be the largest workhorse in the industry. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, really. To simultaneously play, you know, a hundred thousand characters or more at one time. <laughs> and quality stuff, quality stuff. How hard is it to 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 just, you know, like I. I'm a big Rick and Morty fan, and I watch that guy do two voices off himself every week and go, yeah. whoa. Yeah, and then yeah. watch this guy five voices off one another. Like, is he just a schizophrenic madman in that booth, or is he recording them one at a time? Like, I 
I want to know some of that inside stuff. Like, yeah, the recording process of like, he's a genius. are you recording all of Hunter's lines by themselves, or are you recording the dialogue between the batch? Like, are you are you drifting in and out of character? I've seen um, the Graham Norton show. It's a, a British talk show. I get you guys have probably seen the clips. There's an mm-hmm. episode with uh, Seth MacFarlane uh, on the yes. Graham Norton show, and he flips in and out of yes, you know Stewie to Stewie Brian, Brian to Peter. Peter. Yeah. seamlessly and and it just yes. my brain can barely negotiate I that i know i watched the rick and morty fella uh, justin roiland do that just seamlessly back and right forth, right, right. A crazy argument with himself and 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 to go whoa that's that's teetering on madness so out, outside of uh obviously outside of d bradley baker who is the bad batch do you guys have a, a standout vocal performance of the season I anybody sure do, yeah. you do yeah. all right you want Rhea perlman Rhea yes. perlman oh beautiful Rhea perlman man Beautiful. Yeah. If she's not cast to play a live action Sid at some point in the future, I'll be crazy disappointed. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd love it. I would love it to see her in The Mandalorian. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I would love it. She's a fantastic actress. It's one of those, she's not present enough and you almost forget about her. Yeah, yeah, uh, I guess so. Unfortunately. And then you, you know, and then you put her in such a familiar scene, you put her running a bar. Yeah. And get out of town. It's just the best. <laughs> just the best. I wanted, I wanted Woody Harrelson's character to show, I know he's dead, but I, or he wasn't dead at the time. He might have been, a, I wanted him to show up and bartend for an episode so bad. Yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to see that so bad. If there's a, a Sam Malone-like character that shows up in a future episode, I'll die. <laughs> uh, I'll probably, uh, you know, I'll, I'll spit fantastic. pot through my nose. What a job. What a yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. What, a, what an outstanding actress and, and uh, it's wonderful. I do, I mean, maybe, I'm just a, uh, I'm cloistered in my Star Wars world, so maybe she's been doing things like left, right, and center that I don't. I know honestly about. don't know. It's just to me, I'm I, super happy to have her as a part of my culture. The last thing I saw, and I caught onto it late. Uh, Kim and I started watching. Uh, oh my god, it's a sitcom. It's a total riff on the '80s, and she plays one of the. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. She did make an appearance in Brooklyn Nine Nine. She was part of uh, Captain Holt's yeah. walking group in Florida. Yeah, that's right. Outside of that's that, right. I I can't tell you where else I've seen her in the last decade maybe one yeah. uh, one off in a movie somewhere but uh well, she probably, has been doing yeah. voices has she she has we did that uh voice post there not too long ago uh she had right, uh, a right. bit role in the harley quinn animated oh series. yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah yeah i guess i mean uh, it would, i would know if i'd seen it but uh, i haven't seen that one yet so yeah, you should watch it it's not oh, for kids though no 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 uh, I'd said in the notes uh when i sent them over to you guys that you know worst vocal performance and i said maybe there isn't one you know, I, I don't think, for me anyway, I don't think there was a, a particularly poor, like, like this role sucked. But I put it out there anyway. Did you guys think that there was a, you know, a, a disappointing voice performance from anybody? I, I'm agog that this is a, has become what it is. A, a, you know, haha, <laughs> nice. If, <laughs> if you watch cartoons from like the 80s, yeah. some of the stuff we love is really strong. But a lot of it is phoned in. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And you didn't care when you were a kid because you were into the visuals and stuff. A lot of the acting is phoned in. And I mean, I'm not talking about Looney Tunes where they deliver every every line and stuff. Right, there's right. A lot of a lot of like Thunder the Barbarian stuff. There's so much in the '80s and the '90s where where things were just you know. And now it's this, you know, this this art form that that you know that like Robert Downey Jr. and 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 Oscar winning actors are stepping into these roles and it's a legitimate yeah. art form. It's yeah. been legitimized is what I'm I'm getting at. It always has been legitimate, but it's now been perfected and it's being brought to this level of like 
it's not voice acting anymore. It's, it's acting. acting. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, and in terms of that, um, I, I there's nothing I could take away from anybody who worked on the show. You know? No, no, you're right. Yeah. I can't, yeah. you know, and I really can't say that about a lot of properties, but there's yeah. nothing I could take away. You know, okay, I would have liked them to use maybe more effects on Caleb Doom's voice to make him sound younger. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, it's still very much Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> right. But, again, that's it works to emphasize that he's who he is. Sure. He tried sure. real hard. So if there's one little hiccup, maybe it was there. But okay. I really actually don't think so. No, I agree with you on that. What about you, Andy? Anything uh, outstanding for you, vocal performance? Uh, I'm with Hank on this. Sid for Real Perlman. Yeah, we're going Loved back her to delivery. Real Perlman, yeah. yeah, the character came to life through her. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yes, the animation helped, and I don't know if they were using motion capture on. I said on the that face, too. I but, thought uh, that first episode, maybe the first couple with her, I thought is there's something going on here in the animation where yeah. the new the like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That just did not look like pen to screen or you no. know pen to tablet. That looked to me like was that mocapped? Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely my standout as well. And as far as yeah. worst, I didn't. There was nothing that took me out of it. No, no. Everything no, no. voice wise, it flowed. Yep, kept the story going. I agree with you. Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to go back to uh, my favorite episode, and I'm going to go with uh, Alexander Siddig, who played uh, Senator Avi Singh, who just added this. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just his performance in conjunction with the material and the tone of the episode, but such a level of humanity brought to that character that really drove the, that whole, all the developments that we got from that episode. A lot of it really kind of hinged on his performance. Like that whole, uh, you know, as he's running away, they're, they're trying to make their way to the havoc marauder and he literally stops midway and he turns and he's like, what am I doing? And I can't leave my people. And it was just, you could feel like the performance there, like he really felt for the, the, the people that he felt like he was abandoning. And I, that just came through in spades for me. So, yeah, I mean, uh, props to Alexander Siddig. Uh, good on you, sir, for being able to cross the, uh, the star lines from Trek to Wars. Welcome to the family. Don't look back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't have a, like I say, I just put it out there, uh, you know, for the sake of maybe, maybe somebody had a thought on that, but, Again, I'm with you guys. There wasn't a, a performance that really took me out of it either. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're getting down to sort of the, the nitty gritty here where the conversation's going to get a little bit more, uh, like, speculative. So let's let's move over and talk about uh, this one here. Let's talk about what was the biggest surprise for you guys across the entire season? Like something that just came out of nowhere that you didn't expect, or maybe something that subverted your expectations, but something surprising. <laughs> uh, for me, I actually, uh, the duel between Cad Bane and Hunter. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of, I kind of knew that Cad Bane was better than him. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought it was a very bold choice to shoot your main character right in the chest. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. And then the cool, the, the Easter egg from the visor that begat that and and the, the vulnerability that then Omega started realizing there's going to be situations where I can't be protected. I'm going right, to have to. Right, right. You know, I'm I'm going to be vulnerable. So it was a big, a big moment, too. And I, it, it shocked the crap out of me because I actually didn't think they'd be so bold. I thought it might have gone, you know... Watching it, 
I thought it might have been a draw somehow or that he would have winged him or shot the pistol out of his hand. If yeah, was, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he shot him point blank in the chest and he dropped like a sack of potatoes and I went, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna jump in on that one because for me, I think the biggest surprise for me was, and, and I say this from our own discussions, because we talked about the potential for character death across the, uh, uh, the first season and how the stakes were so high. Uh, the biggest surprise for me was that the show didn't actually take the risk and actually kill anybody. And I thought, you know, you've, you've teased it out so much that you've kept the tension so high. Why didn't you pick somebody? Kill one of them. We, yeah. we mentioned, you know, like taking out Hunter could be the, the genesis for Omega to finally to blossom and to take more of a, an active role or, or kill Crosshair and, you know, completely abandon the idea. He can't be redeemed if he's dead. Like, do something. You, you teased us with it and then you didn't do it. So for me, it was a big, big surprise to, to me because I for, thought for sure someone's going to die this episode. Okay, no, no, yeah. not, no. Someone's going to die next along, episode. It goes along a lot with what Lauren was saying and, 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 uh, and that's that it's, it really is a kid's show more than, more than the other ones. I know it's yeah, got a rating yeah, yeah. PG-13, but more than the other ones, like... Well, wait a more, minute, wait a minute. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to cut you off there, but let me just ask this. Did Lauren watch Resistance? yeah if you get if you can get to the end of resistance uh you you get one of the chewy metals yeah (laughs) but i mean so yeah definitely better than that yeah yeah, 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 more watchable than that more of the 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 story that i'm invested in is more central but no you're right though it is it is animation and it is aimed for a youth a youth audience um no just the idea that it's a kid's show and the, the characters are a lot often more than more so than in uh, Clone Wars or Rebels, characters are often describing what they're doing yep. while they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's that's a format for children so that they that there's no questions, right? You know, you there's a lot of recapping what's just happened in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. that batch. A lot of Echo's lines are, "Well, we just did this, this, and this, so now that's why we're here." Like they open an episode with that. I know you noted it in one episode where they were like. Well, the ship systems are down, and we're in this situation, and we're like, okay, well, we already knew that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, exposition, more than there needs to be, and that's typical of children's shows. Yeah, yeah. So to, to actually that explain, no character death, it's I, I, maybe they're going to get slowly heavier. I don't know if there was a character death in the first season of Rebels. Uh, oh, in the first was. season, I mean, besides you know, I, generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing I'd noted, and I didn't really realize it because we had watched, and you know how the the sort of the memory of the later episodes stack against the early episodes. Yep, yep. The first three episodes, they were killing clones left, right, and center. They Big were time. not yeah, using yeah. stuns when they were on uh, Silicamai. They were oh, killing so, yeah, clones yeah. right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I wonder what the what the 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 differentiation was, or what the the deciding factor was to go from, you know, killing blasts to suddenly we're going to stun everybody. Maybe that the long-term nature of it, maybe it was a writing choice. Maybe. Yeah. Um, biggest surprise for you, Andy? Uh, biggest surprise for me was the sunrise on Kamino. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a shot of that here for you, too. Yeah. There it is. Because we've never seen it. Like, it's always been rainstorms. Yeah, it's always yeah, been yeah. dark. And, like, we kind of thought out maybe last week um, that the storm might be just roving a across roving the planet, kind of yeah, like yeah. following the dark side of the planet. Yeah. And, in this sunrise, we do see the clouds kind of shuffling loose. Yep. So right. that could lend 
you know, credibility to the storm just circling the globe. Right, but, right, uh, right. Still, so we were wrong weird. about that. I was wrong about that when I said that I thought that that was the only moment we ever saw Sun and Camino and that it was holy. It meant yeah. that the Empire had cleansed the world and all this. Right, stuff. right. But actually, in the episode of Clone Wars, Arc Trooper, okay, uh, Fives and Echo are actually beat at the end of the day from the training, and they're sitting outside. Oh, they go on, outside. On the, they go outside, and it's sunrise, and it's a beautiful sunny day, and they sit and have a moment in the sun, and I completely erased that from my brain. Hmm. Yeah, it I, is, yeah, it yeah. Is, it is like it's such a moment though when you see it in this episode in this the series because everything is so dark and the palette has been one of our biggest complaints is the dark palette. yeah big that it's, dark, it's dark, very dichotic you know diametrically opposed to everything big so time I, yeah, yeah yeah it's good good pick Amy but we do associate it though with you know dark and dank and wet and raining. I mean that's the big opening shot our first exposure to Camino in Attack of the Clones when the the Kaminoan comes out of the ocean on the back of that reptile bird fish thing. thing. And it's mm-hmm. like a, a horrible storm, you know, Obi-Wan standing on the, on the platform trying to, you know, uh, call the old folks home. Ha ha ha. But, and it's just like perpetual, like, ugh. and for the most part, that's how we associate Camino. So it's, I can see how oh, it's easily forgettable. Yeah, no, it was ripped right out of my head. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. And it absolutely is a, you know, it is a bit of a, a surprise, I think. All right. So uh, if we're going to talk about surprises, then I guess we should also talk about um, we should talk about letdowns because, you know, certainly the one that we already talked about was the uh, the little spoiler with the hot toys thing with the echo and the hand thing. You know, that that was a letdown for me because I actually thought they were going to pay it off. I'm like, oh, great. We're going to see him. He's going to get a hand. He's going to have more things to do. Nope. (laughs) So that that was my big letdown was that that they never paid off this this uh, tease with Echo and the the prosthetic hand. Anything that let you guys down? Go ahead, Andy. Uh, my letdown is just they gave us all this uh, lead up that we were gonna go like hardcore into the bounty hunters. Yeah, and then it just went away. No, it really did, didn't it? So no Boba, no extras. Yeah. Like I want yeah. I want Sid to be revealed as Box Mom. Nice. You know what? I yeah. mean, no, I don't absolutely. think there's any of us that would dispute that. We'd be like, yep, yep, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah even adopted. I do. <laughs> uh, I guess for me, the biggest letdown in the season is the constant roller coasters that never paid off. We kept going like this and going like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, this. yeah. We never went through a loop. We never, no. we never turned hard 90 and went, wee. We didn't, we just kept climbing and then dipping slightly yeah. back into yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, climbing yeah. and dipping out of it. And so I can I can name them all, um, like the, the unfulfilled promise of, of episode four with Fennec Shand, the uh, the the idea that we we get this resolution for what I thought could be the major arc of the first season with, with Wrecker so early, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the idea that 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 the death of Harrison Dula's mom, uh, we just weren't hand- like that could have been, like how powerful would that have been? We'd still be talking about it. No, you're right. That was a huge letdown, uh, and and uh, and inevitably, uh, the the finale, the way that they chose to release it, I really feel like the finale was like, except for the very end, I think the finale was like a waste of time. Um, I don't, <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. But they it, just it should have aired it. Just air it as a single, you know, a single fifty hour. minute. Yeah. 
right? They started it with an hour long episode. With no breaks. Yeah, yeah. And watching it back to back, it's not as bad as it was watching it with a week to breathe. Right. And I think that was just a bad choice on the, on the part of, uh, or just maybe a misstep on the part of whoever's putting it. Well, a lot of what you're saying, Hank, actually brings us sort of to the next thing that I want to talk about because there's quite a few uh, dangling plot threads. And we talked about, you know, which ones, you know, we're going to get resolved or which ones we hope we're going to get resolved. And there's quite a few that are sort of left. And I'm just, I didn't write them all down, but I've got a few here like, what's the fate of the Sindula family? You know, what about Senator Ornfree Ta? Is he really dead or not? What happened to Captain Hauser? What about Cut and his family? How are they doing? And what about that Boba Fett Fennec Shan connection? Like, there's so many plot threads that are kind of just left out there. They're dangling. Um, yeah. How do we feel about that? Like, did, did they introduce too much this season and not pay off enough of it? I think uh, they planted I, 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 a lot of seeds here. Big time, yeah. With, yeah. And with their normalcy to go into the long game. Yeah. They do need a lot of those seeds for future projects. Yeah. yeah but yeah. the way the season finale wrapped, it was like a nice clean ending. Like if they didn't come back, you know, story wrapped up. I'm going to, I'm going to take a risk here and I'm going to, I'm going to bring a, this may not be the best analogy, but I'm going to go to some of the long, the what's popular lately in the last few years in terms of serialized television. I'm going to talk about the CW DC Arrowverse shows and how those shows tend to do a singular villain. They, they do a season, a, a full season arc where everything leads up to the final confrontation with the big villain every season. You know that that's the formula you're going to get. And then the final episode or maybe the final like, two or three episodes will set up the recurring villain for the next season. And that, that formula has worked across what four or five shows now for how many seasons. And I guess that's kind of where I get this. Like did the bad batch just introduce too much all at once and not resolve enough of what they dropped. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a long con. Some of these, uh, some of these threads were picked up from other series and then put down in this one, hopefully to be picked up possibly in other series again or in subsequent seasons. Right. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're talking about this episode or this c- series for this long without all the plot threads. I don't, I don't think that it exists as a uh, uh, of its own volition without being held up by all these things, these things yeah, that, that are yeah, yeah. that we want to talk about, that we're we're hoping for, and that I don't like. There's not enough that props it. Oh, that was cool. Uh, it was it was visually stunning, but yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. are the stakes? And yeah, so without exactly, the stakes, yeah. without the 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 main narrative woven in and out, I don't think it stands on its own, and that's probably maybe controversial because I was a I was I went in with great guns. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I almost formed that opinion after watching the whole thing cohesively. Right, right. That like it's it doesn't have the rewatchability of, of uh, Rebels. It just. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Skywalker right now, but it's not this. It doesn't have, you know, there's not enough to keep me there. So I will be upset if we don't get some of these pieces. of. I know they can't do every one, you know. Um, one of my the biggest things, if I sit there and I analyze myself and I go, one of the biggest letdowns in, in my whole uh career of being entertained if you will like right, we're all just right. consumers and we love to be entertained 
was lost yeah, because of yeah, this yeah, very, yeah. because of this very idea that here is a friggin' thousand acres of seeds that we planted. Yeah, and we're actually just gonna it's good. There's gonna be a massive flood at the end. Yeah, and none of them will sprout. Sorry, guys, the end <laughs> was all a dream. And I, oh, I don't know if my soul can handle being Another this invested those, in yeah, something yeah. and having at least not some of them pop it. So, get, so um, get another comment here from Kim who says that uh, the biggest letdown was the last episode. It was lackluster after so many episodes and so many possible story arcs that they ended the season with a filler episode. And I think we are all in, in agreement that as a, uh, the episode by itself, absolutely it does. It, they put the brakes on and kind of just. So I encourage everybody to try to watch it in a one hour format if they can stomach it. Yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. It, it does yeah. cleanse the palate without that week to breathe and go. Why are we just doing the same things over and over and over? Um, just watch it as a one hour if you get the chance, because it does it does fix a lot of the, the stuff. But yeah, it does. I, it no, does. I, I do agree that as uh, the way that they just brought it to us, the plate they served it on, the dish was just like cold. I feel like the the plot thread served to do. Uh, the thing that, that that I'm sure that the producers that the production team wants, and that's generate excitement. Because again, going back and reviewing episodes of our show, and you like how excited were we at like all roads lead to Boba Fett? We were so excited about that, you know, seeing the Sindula family and being so excited to have Hera and Chopper, and like to see uh uh what just a second here, and I'll I'll pull it up. Um, I bought three Boba Fett shirts. (laughs) (laughs) You went right out and did that. Oh, my Lord. So, I mean, you know, to to finally get, you know, a look at Eleni and knowing that, you know, that her demise is is coming and not having that payoff. But again, it built, it generated that excitement that we all wanted from the show. So, you know, dangling plot threads are, are, I guess, are good in the sense that they're the nuggets as you say, Andy, they are the seeds for future seasons and future episodes. Yeah. And, and let's hope they just keep watering it and not abandoning them because it, it's just heartbreaking. Right, right. I don't want to go, like you say, with the lost thing, I don't want to go so far and then something from season one is forgotten until season, let's say it makes five seasons and we've already, we've best, forgotten it. The best thing for entertainment as a whole, especially cohesive nerd stuff that we yeah, like, the yeah, stuff yeah. that has you know all the detail and stuff, is what Marvel is doing with their television properties. And it, this, I mean, this is indicative of that so much detail, so much backstory, so many Easter eggs, so many little minor things yeah. that I, I don't have a problem with them doing uh, like marveling Star Wars at all. I, no, like, no, hook, line, and sinker. I can't wait for the the Japanese animated Star Wars Visions uh, coming up later this yeah. year. Uh, and Wait. so, you know, just to touch on the Marvel thing, uh, Kevin Feige has been, uh, is getting a Star Wars project. Did we yeah. hear about this? I did not. Yeah, absolutely. I just yeah, read something nope. about that earlier this week that he may be getting a Star yeah. Wars project. So that's, it's that's, been in the uh, ether for a few months. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, on the subject of dangling plot threads, though, like we can't forget, we've got more stuff coming at us. Like there's the book of Boba Fett. There's the Andor right, show. There's right. the Obi-Wan show. And who Soka. knows, Ahsoka as, as well, yeah. As everything weaves in and out of each other and yeah. those lines become more blurred. Are there seeds here that will pay off there? That's It a, could happen. It, it absolutely could happen. And, and it, so going into the, the corporate thing, that's de- I mean, they are doing def- – Disney and Lucasfilm are doing the right thing by doing that because they want us to watch all of their shows, which 
I didn't need any convincing. I no. was in right from the beginning, so no problem there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They really want you to be invested in everything. And, yeah. you know, yeah. if I can just, you know, turn that on its side for a second, the, the criticism is now you almost have to be invested in everything or you're going to be left you may be left out in the dark on some things that would be like, what? It's, it's nice to have a little group like this too. So when someone is stronger, you know, reads more of the comics or Absolutely. reads more of the RPG stuff to, yeah. to be able to bump one, ideas off of one another, you know, like, so I you mean, know, the, the, the general fan doesn't know that Kira can go toe to toe with Vader with lightsabers. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's recent too, isn't it? Mental last, that last, issue last issue, right. Hunter more. It's crazy. It's actually crazy. She's not even wielding a lightsaber. She's wielding like this, sword that's got this ring of energy around it similar to the pikes that the uh right, right. guard have right and she's going toe-to-toe with them and it's like wow so with all of these I dangling uh all the dangling plot threads that are out there i mean then the next the next logical sort of thought process is of all the things that have been sort of propped up in front of us what is everybody lo- what's the one thing that everybody's looking like most forward to having resolved uh, in a future episode or a future show. <laughs> oh, Hank, yeah, you're a man of my own heart. <laughs> Absolutely. Come on, let's get to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think we're all you know, in agreement. Yeah. Uh, Omega Fett. Yeah. So th- that amazing. That in itself, uh, for me, actually is probably the, the biggest one, too. And it's the idea that, uh, you know, what's going to happen when Boba Fett finds out that he's got a sister? Uh, right in the truest sense of the word too right unaltered clone and there's the best part about that is not knowing where that's going to bear fruit where that seed's going to bear there's three places yeah. it could bear fruit next yeah, season yeah, yeah. of the show it yeah. could bear fruit in, in the middle of his own show it, as a flashback it could bear fruit in the mandalorian proper yeah uh now it's just been revealed that those things are going to be filming pretty much simultaneously which is super cool Carl Weathers, you know, accidentally let that out of the bag that they start filming in September. Yeah, yeah. Which was not supposed to be till next year. So that's awesome news. Probably trying to make the most of this gap between the pandemic waves, if there is one. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of fields that they they that these flowers could pop into, and and I'm super excited about that. Um, I certainly guarantee that the uh, the the last thread of this is probably going to be explored more in the ahsoka show uh yeah. with you know that road to thrawn the road to to ezra bridger definitely and all part of the larger narrative and that's why we see characters like 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 top and like hera and like caleb dune yeah yeah um, like so that we understand that this is a huge we're no longer into these little micro uh one-offs that this is a huge narrative this is a uh, we're telling the, the the whole story of an entire galaxy, and there's a lot of story to tell. There is a lot of story to tell, and I think there's a you know let's let's talk about where things might be going. So let's go right into that uh, future developments and sort of things to come. And I think the best place to start this conversation, and I'm just going to bring up the image here for a second, is that closing shot or that that closing image of the final episode as we uh, roll in here on uh, what has now been officially revealed to be Mount Tantus. And so we should probably, we should probably talk about Mount Tantus for a second here and sort of the origins of this thing, because I know we threw out that wild speculation, like, is this Exegol pre like uh, terraforming uh, uh, resource, you know, consumption. And it's like, no, 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 this is something completely different. 
Mm. So this has been confirmed to be the planet Wayland, which had a, a reference earlier in the new canon, but we never actually got to see it. It was just spoken uh, in a in a scene. That is, my, that's my third hashtag. Hank was right of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stand on that one. Uh, and um, man, I couldn't be happier about that plot thread. That's that's yep. less of a dangling yeah. plot thread and more of like a cliffhanger that I can go. Okay, now that gives me something to sit there and go. Where are we going with this? For and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. to invest some time in it and enjoy myself. Some of those other ones are frustrating because I'm like, you know, what was happening to Rex in that one scene? But I I might never get to know that, and I shouldn't invest too much thought into it. But this, if we're at Mount Tantus, there's there's just the the potential of that. Oh. Well, I mean the uh, the new canon uh, certainly uh, where Filoni's been involved has been rife with uh, picking the what I have always said are the best elements of the old EU and bringing them forward uh, into the new canon and then reintroducing them in new and interesting ways. We got that in Star Wars Rebels with the reintroduction of Grand Admiral Thrawn. And here we get another piece of connective tissue with Mount Tantus because both of those elements were introduced back in, uh, what, the early 90s uh, through a novel, uh, Star Wars Heir to the Empire. So this is a copy, uh, this is just an image of the, uh, actually, that's the West End Games Heir to the Empire source book, um, mm. which you can see very clearly on that. There's a shot of uh, Thrawn there in the lower left, and then uh, our uh, legacy characters, Han, Luke, and Leia, and Chewie, and then this crazy-looking uh, Gandalf dude in the middle. And I want to kind of talk about sort of what Wayland and Mount Tantus means for the new canon going forward, because there's a lot of possibilities here about how it could be treated. So, oh, you've got it there, do you? Yeah, it's the exact same cover. <laughs> it is the same cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was trying to find the original cover because there's been a few reprints of that book and uh, yeah, the I cover have changes. Yeah, a couple hard copies. So I just bought, like, uh, beginning of the summer, I bought 30 Star Wars novels for, like, 10 bucks off. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. I don't know what he had. There's three copies of uh, Heir to the Empire. So I've, I've read it really recently. Yeah, yeah. And then I went out and found the other ones to to so I could finish the trilogy, which is essentially the original Thrawn trilogy. Right. And if fans haven't read that, um, now you got to put it in perspective because a lot of the fans are new fans to Star Wars, but there was this time in Star Wars where we didn't have anything but the novels. The nerd, like Wes and I and Andy, probably, we all had the game. Yep. And there were other properties, you know, there were video games and there were like, you know, you could still read the comics and stuff, but we didn't have anything that was furthering the narrative of what we wanted to see, which was what's happening post Return of the Jedi. And Heir to the Empire opens moments after the destruction of the Death Star. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's essentially the sequel trilogy before the sequel trilogy was a thing. And it's, it's all we had. So it, no wonder we poured so much energy. It was, it was gospel for 30 years before Disney just went. Nope. That's right. And it's, and it's really good, though. But it, like, again... If we're going to go, we've got Thrawn. Thrawn's real now. He's in the new canon. He exists. We know that Ahsoka, at least in the future, is looking for him. We're, I can't see how we're not going to get an origin uh, for Thrawn in this, especially when you look at, you know, some of the other connective pieces like, uh, uh, where is it here? Like our, um, oh my Lord, I can't find it here. Here it is. So we, we look at our uh, Imperial scientist who we already know is wearing the same uniform as Dr. Pershing in the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Like those two are so close together and being at Wayland, 
This is why I wanted to talk about Heir to the Empire a little bit, because for those of you who don't know the story, like, what's Cole's noted here? Okay. There's this, uh, we got to go back and we got to talk about this character who was, appears on the cover, like the, the weird looking Gandalf dude. This is a Jedi, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce Joris. I don't know if it's Saboth. Saboth? Kaboth? I always say Kaboth. That's what I always say too. I could be wrong, yeah. This guy, Joris Kaboth, he goes, he's a, he's a Jedi master, contemporary to like the council, goes off on this big mission called Outbound Flight, where he and a bunch of other Jedi get on a, on a big ship and they fly out into the unknown regions of space looking for other sentient beings that could be trained as Jedi. Unfortunately, they run into uh, what's called the the Chiss Ascendancy, and the the Chiss. Uh, so Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, he's a, a blue near human looking dude. His species are the Chiss, and they are the dominant uh, force in that region of the unknown galaxy. And uh, <laughs> they destroy the ship; they kill everybody on board, and that that alerts the Chiss Ascendancy that there is another civilization out there, which brings the Chiss into the known Star Wars. Uh, galaxy. So what happens is Thrawn's people actually align themselves with the Empire, and uh, Thrawn becomes this admiral in the Imperial uh, military. So Wayland, as we had mentioned before on our, our previous show, is sort of the, the secret stockpile of all of the Emperor's like secret tech, which includes a fully functional cloning facility. So uh, this is where things get kind of get really funky and weird because uh, they use the cloning facility and they actually clone Joris Kaboth and they subvert him to the dark side and he becomes the guardian of uh, of Mount Tantus on Wayland and he's the protector of the mountain and in fact Thrawn uses that that cloning technology to actually crew his fleet and uh, the biggest 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 thing is. Because of where this takes place in the timeline, like this is after, as you say, Hank, it's after Return of the Jedi. We find out that Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker's severed hand has been recovered, and they actually use that to clone Luke, and they make this evil version of Luke Skywalker, which so which has also been canonized by the comics, because yeah. Vader finds the hand in a glass case on Exegol. Oh, cool! So they've got the hand somewhere. Yes, sir. So this kind of brings up some ramifications and, and sort of like when we talk about pulling the best parts of the old EU into the new canon, I mean, there is a whole lot of material to draw from here. And you recall, too, that the Chris Terrio's original script for Force Awakens opened with the hand, hand floating, yeah, floating in space, space beside his lightsaber. That's right. right? Yep, like, yep. Yeah, man. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about the idea of like how Mount Tantus specifically relates to Grogu in the Mandalorian. I mean, I mean, A connects to B, connects to C, connects to the rebirth of the Emperor. But I want to see it. I want to see those connective pieces put together. Yeah. So, um, do you want to get into some really crazy speculation? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I here's. I hit that thing last night. I didn't know it wasn't an original idea when I said yeah, it. Yeah, it's been, like, it's been around. Secret. It's yeah, been going I, for the so last, nice uh, that, yeah. So it's people, nice that I'm thinking the same way. The idea that Mount Tantus has been uh, introduced. There's a fan theory that has circulated over the last uh, week or so that uh, perhaps with the idea that the cloning facility 
on Waylon may in fact mirror uh, its purpose in Heir to the Empire. There's a suggestion that the Luke Skywalker that we got in the Mandalorian may in fact be the evil clone that has now uh, in possession of our beloved baby Yoda Grogu. <laughs> yeah, and let's not get it twisted. If you guys have never read the Heir to the Empire trilogy, it's probably Luke means Skywalker <laughs> has a loot si- lightsaber duel against himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the only way to tell them apart is if they actually take the time to spell their names out to to, to you. Yes, because the evil Luke is spelled with two U's. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know and okay when i was 20 i had that took that took me a little bit of like oh come on yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> come yeah. on Luke. too wise in his last name for god's sakes Luke. but yeah and after i got off that man what a cool idea and so then the idea it, it hit me while well, i was talking to you guys last night and i hadn't re- i hadn't read this the fan speculation i just went whoa what if what if fake luke is the one that has go has Grogu. Grogu, yeah and then we dipped into the the weird r2 thing which we're going to talk about of that. We're going to talk about that. I have several shots of that. So, you know, the, the first thing that... It's got legs, man. The, <laughs> it's so, got legs. Here's, and nobody's... To my knowledge, and we follow a lot of Star Wars media here, nobody else has talked about this. I made a... When we were reviewing The Mandalorian in our Fandalorian series, I don't know if I said it on the air, but I definitely you said did. it... I yeah, definitely it said it. but you did say it. Why does R2-D2 have these extra nubs on his shoulder that he's never had anywhere else? No action figures, no Jedi. Yeah, no there's Empire, no other. There's, there's no, no other no reference other for that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really no. weird. So they, but the, so the 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 throwaway is oh, it can't be the evil clone because R two D two was there, and that's where I'm like, well, wait a minute now. I immediately answered myself last night was oh no, R 2s there, but then right. you sent that screen cap and you reminded me of that, and I went oh man, this actually has legs. So I mean, just take that in for a second. Now that's not a really good shot because it's it's pretty far off, but I mean, there is Luke. With Grogu and R2-D2 on the turbo lift as they're departing the that cruiser. And we think all is well in the galaxy. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, though. Like, if that's the evil Luke, you know, is there anything that supports that? And if we want to dig down on the whole R2-D2 thing, and now this is may really be stretching it here, but I can't help but point out that, you know, R2-D2 is, you know, is this... Is almost an enigma, right? Like there have been so many versions of R2D2. In fact, the the sequel trilogy actually called on the R2D2 Builders Club uh, to bring people from the fan community in to help them build droids for the movie. But to be specific, have a look at R2D2's shoulder there. If particularly, there's two little nubby protrusions on his shoulder, and they're on both shoulders. I couldn't get an image that shows them both at the same time, but Trust me, they're there on both shoulders. Um, those have never appeared on R2-D2 in any other on-screen appearance. And I just want to go through a couple of them and go like, here's R2 from A New Hope. And here he is again in The Empire Strikes Back. I should probably take that banner down because you can't really see it. But uh, there he is in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And then we get him in Return of the Jedi. And so the theme is they're, they're not there. Here's the Force Awakens, and again in The Last Jedi. Like, what are those? <laughs> what purpose do they serve, and why are they there? Because if this is the R2, uh, you know, if this is the R2 post-Return of the Jedi that we're supposed to believe is the same R2 in, uh, in The Force Awakens, then they've been removed. And why have they been removed? And what the hell is going on here? Why were they added in the first place? Right. 
but it wouldn't be the first time we've seen an evil droid. Absolutely not. So, see or a droid disguised to look like another droid with a brain right, job. Right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly, and that that's precedents for that. Yeah. So, I mean, as weird as it sounds, uh, if that's not you know, if that's not the real R two, then maybe that's not Luke Skywalker. Maybe well, that's Luke. Okay, and you got to know something here too. When we we go down this line of thinking logically, the presence of R two there is just for fans. Yep. It doesn't. It doesn't serve to trick anybody else in that group because they they have never met R two, never met Luke. Yeah, except so that's Rogu. just for the fans. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, Grogu well, met yeah. R two. Oh, do we think though? Because we kind of thought that because of the reaction that they had to each other. Yeah, or the perceived reaction. Yeah, that is that is speculation. One thing I would like a better image of, and if I had to do it over and ask you for an image now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is the image a clear image of that X-wing as it lands? Because we could easily tell whether that's Red Five or not. It had the Red Five markings on it, but again, how fakeable? Yeah, totally yeah. fakeable. That's what I mean. Like, could they have faked that? I, I guess. Especially so. if Luke's still on Wayland, and that's Dark Luke in well, that. That's brick. what I mean. There was a while while he was in a cell as the apprentice of Joris Kabat. I feel like this opens up a you know some an avenue for you know. What drove Luke into exile? I think that could that could play out in future seasons. And, and man, I just I don't know. And if know. they want to tie it back to that whole uh, Empire moment where he sees himself as Darth Vader, uh, and yeah, literally has him, you know, so many years later fighting himself. And let's examine That's his true. fighting style in that in that clip too, because he's using like Form Five there for the first time. It looks he's, a lot he's, like uh, he's crushing droids oh, with big four time, yeah. the four yeah, 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 just yeah. crushing them and. You know, it mirrors. It's the inverse of what Vader does. Yeah. And I know that is. we all thought thematically he's the inverse of Vader. But, like, there's a lot there's a lot of little ideas you could run with there. Yeah. So there's one other thing here, and I think this is maybe a, this is sort of a fan favorite thing that we can talk about is if we're going to, you know, if we're going to play in this space where these, these things are possibilities, then we can't exclude... Uh, the inclusion of Mara Jade, the original purple lightsaber wielder. <laughs> you got it. Mara Jade, who served as uh, what's called the the Emperor's Hand. Apparently he had several hands and that they were agents of him. And we know that uh, Darth Vader and the Emperor did not, you know, go out and slay the Jedi single-handedly, that they had help. And so there were these agents of the, of the Emperor, like the Emperor's Hands and the newly canonized uh, Inquisitors. Inquisitors. Yeah, right. and and the purge troops along the same lines, right? But what's Here's interesting? Here's the idea for. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. What's interesting it. here is that you know Mara Jade has this romantic connection to Luke Skywalker, but she's torn because she has this this like I don't want to say brainwashed, but essentially brainwashed programmed mission where her mission is to kill Luke Skywalker, to kill Luke Skywalker, and the and she does. She finally gets that that freedom from the emperor, the emperor's spell, if I might put it that way, when she kills the evil clone. So she's fulfilled her destiny to kill Luke Skywalker. And she's now free to live her own life, no longer subjugated by the emperor. And of course they go on and they, they get married and they have this romantic relationship. Is there, you know, is there room in the new Canon for, for an introduction of marriage aid in a series of flashbacks that maybe that romantic relation relationship could be there and the loss of marriage aid is is something that propels luke into exile there's a weird moment in the beginning of the the last 
Jedi novel. There's a yeah, chapter. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, Luke is dreaming that he's back on Tatooine and he's married to Cammy. Oh, really? Wind, wind rider. Yeah. He's just yeah, having yeah. a dream that his life was totally different. One of his he teenage wakes up friends. From it and he's in exile on, on, you know, uh, so it's an interesting idea if that's canon uh it like i think that luke's interpretation of of like he, he's got to have the loosest interpretation of the jedi yeah um probably going to be informed by meeting ahsoka and understanding like why you know if they have that conversation why she left the order right why why like why she considers herself a jedi again and there's all we've talked about this in the show and there's all kinds of deeper connotations to, to to the idea that uh jedi like qui-gon or even like dooku before him had vision like not visions like views points of the force and what it meant to be a force wielder and a benevolent creature in the galaxy right right did not align exactly with what the council was saying yeah you know and you get all the time like these people that are like genuine people that they they, they make these turns like dooku made this turn uh, Barisofi made this turn. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Tano made the same turn, but That's didn't right. quite go. You know, she stayed center. Yeah, yeah, which is why we have the idea of a gray Jedi. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we had we had Qui Gon being able to maintain his status as a Jedi Knight, but going against the Council at every turn by being a servant of the Living Force. Right, and so yeah. they had to maybe keep him closer than like Dooku because they had already lost Dooku to that same thing, absolutely that same yeah, mentality. Yeah. Dooku, you know? who actually who thought he was right. Who genuinely thought he was his right. eyes never turned. Man. No, he never yeah, fully yeah. embraced the dark side. He just rejected the Jedi, and that's yeah, different. yeah, yeah. That's totally different. I'm going to stick with the Jedi thing here for a minute. I, I, we've talked an awful lot here about sort of uh, heir to the Empire and Mount Tantus and how it relates to uh, the old legends, and so we've now speculated on what it could mean. But I want to come back full circle, uh, sort of to the Bad Batch in general, and I just I'm going to read from my notes here because I don't think I can really. Uh, explain it any better it's called the bad batch and it ostensibly the show should be about them but there is this is such a uh, hugely important period of galactic history that without introducing another television show or a series of flashbacks in one of the other series and you know i mean star wars has now shown us that they're not afraid to do flashbacks they did it in the mandalorian with din Djarin's, uh childhood and we've had the the Mark Hamill, or sorry, the, the Luke Skywalker flashback to the loss of his Jedi Academy. But it should be about the Bad Batch. But we know that not every Jedi uh, died. We know that there are survivors out there. And I want to go back to what I said earlier when Sid was introduced. She was introduced as a Jedi informant, not a Republic informant. So is the Bad Batch... I think the Bad Batch is uniquely poised just because of where it sits in galactic history to show us without having to do flashbacks what actually happened to some of the surviving Jedi. I mean, uh, I thought for sure we were going to get a, not for sure, but I, I was hoping that we were going to get a little Cal Kestis thing with the introduction of Bracca. And having already been to Bracca, does that set up, maybe there's an, a, an episode where they're going to have to go and, and do something with him and maybe they're the... Maybe the Bad Batch are the ones who drop Cal Kestis off on Bracca and set him up. It, I mean, entirely possible, and not not out of the realm of possibility at all. Yeah, um, think, I mean, you're, you're right. It has to be inevitably about the Bad Batch, and they tried really hard to make us care. Yeah, um, I, I'm, arguably the biggest emotional beat was almost losing a droid that was so periphery to the yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah. that it was they brought it in from Clone Wars. 
and and so they could have done more in my opinion and maybe it's a long con maybe they're going to do more to to nurse us to these characters and i don't i don't hate any of them don't no, get me wrong no no yeah i, I love record <laughs> record love that guy uh, yeah and and so i just I, I i keep circling back to do these characters stand on their own like Pick a character from Star Wars. Does, does Han Solo stand on his own? Yeah, he does. Yep. Does Luke Skywalker stand on his own? Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. Leia, yeah. Lando, yep. Chewie, yep. Vader. Yep. Uh, it, we want Obi Wan. We want to get into the the minor character. Like Barisofi stands on her own. Yeah. Right. Like like and do these characters? Maybe maybe they have to stand on each other because they're a group. Yeah. But I'm firmly convinced that with if you remove all the props, I don't give a damn about the show. It's hard to uh, invest about a group of guys that, I mean, all of the, the whole moral compass thing and the, the having to make the, you know, having to make choices for really for the first time in their life without the, the safety net of a republic government that tells them what is right and what is wrong. That whole sense of identify, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, their own, I guess, sense of identity, having that challenge. Mm. I, I like all that. But like you say, without all the other things around it, what's really there to compel me to want to follow these guys? Uh, it's the same problem I have with The Walking Dead. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been into that. I was I'm into the comic know. before, and then I was into the show for the first yep. few seasons, and yep. it became so repetitive. But it's the same problem. And it was the best thing about the show to start, was yep. that the idea that the biggest narrative thread is environment. Yeah. Like the zombies are weather in that show, at least oh, for yeah, the first yeah. few seasons. Sure. They're happening to the characters and yeah. you're watching the characters develop in that environment. Yep. The zombies are weather. Yeah, yeah. And for the first bit of this show, um, the 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 bir- the beginning of the Empire is the weather that our yeah, characters it's are just experiencing. going on around them. And so I like and hopefully they don't inundate us with that. Hopefully it's not raining all the time. You know, and, and maybe uh, sunrise on Camino at the end is is symbolic of that. Maybe well, let's hope. Maybe, you know the 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 old uh, legends. I mean this this part of uh, galactic history was always referred to as it's right in the crawl in the, the opening dark. crawl the dark times, and to me this it, this should be the dark times. It should be oppressive and it should be like, man, it should feel there should be a certain you know a minimum level of tension for for any protagonist all the time. There's got to be a reason that they started the Rebel Alliance. There's got to right. be. There's got to be such a level of oppression and and fear and and uh, all these things in the whole galaxy that this that that what they talk about in the, in the sequel trilogy is that spark it yeah. ignites itself yeah, yeah. and it's got to grow into a forest fire and so we've got to see them be just horrible. Well, and we here to see them well, we, we've seen the seeds of, of the that. galaxy, right? When. Right. Uh, was it the second episode where they're herding people in and you don't have your new chain code? Yeah, you're not new, going anywhere. Yeah, get a chain code or you don't get on. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, and the, the idea that they don't treat people from the separate, from separatist planets any different than they treat people from a public planets. Yeah. That it's all right, oppression. Right, right. So you, you're starting to understand that. And uh, the, I mean, the, the weather is my favorite part of the show. The, I'm right there with you. We made the joke about, you know, the weakest part of the Phantom Menace was that it was a movie about politics. And then, you know, when people rhetorically say, who wants to watch a two hour movie about politics? You and I are like, we've got our hands up. Uh, Me, please. Me, please. I want to know. 
So that's, I would love to sit in in a Senate meeting, for God's sake. That's why I say that the Bad Batch, just by uh, virtue of where it fits into galactic history, is poised to be able to tell a bunch of stories that don't have to be done in vignette-style a la flashback. Right. I'm not opposed to flashbacks. I think they're fun and they're cool. But if you can tell me the story as it's happening, that's even better. So and that could be its actual purpose is to, is to you know, like literally maybe. Ezra Bridger. And the purpose yeah. of Rebels is to bring us from Lucasfilm to Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally. So maybe yeah. that's what this is poised to do. Maybe this is our, our gateway to all the seeds that they've sown. I hope so. Yeah, so that's kind of my... Uh, that's sort of my thoughts on uh, new developments and, and where things could be, might be, God knows where it's going. Um, but man, it's, uh, you know, 16 episodes later, we're, we're here. It's the end. We've uh, the end so far. The uh, Yeah, the end so far until we get to season two. And I think, I don't know, guys, what do you think about revisiting uh, season one? How does it feel for you now that we've kind of taken a look at it sort of as a whole? I'm excited for season two. Yeah. I'm, I I wouldn't be without that carrot at the very end, though. Yeah, and I got yeah, it, yeah. I got a, a, that exclamation mark at the very end is why I'm I'm still hooked. Um, enough time has passed since episode four that I might have forgotten about Boba Fett. Why yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. No, but the average. Not. You, you know what I mean? That 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 has gone. If you don't listen to our episodes every week, you're gonna uh, miss that sort of. And, right, and right. so that without that big, huge stamp at the end, they, they I might've just drifted off into, Oh, season two's on next week. Cool. We better get podcasting. And, well, and this is going to keep that flavor in my mouth. Yeah, until yeah, me we too. Get a season two. And I'm sure that, you know, all of the other media outlets and all of the other, you know, uh, uh, the YouTubers and the podcasters are going to have, you know, all kinds of speculation. And I know, I know because I'm a creature of habit that I am going to consume a fair amount of it on the lead up to our next go at a, at a Star Wars property. And right, huh. do we know what's up next? Do we? Is there like is there release dates for anything up next? I, Visions is next, isn't it? Sorry, what's that? Visions, Star Wars Visions. Well, yeah, yeah, Star no, Wars Visions this fall. Yeah, yeah. Next, I was just thinking of the like the uh, the canon properties. Um, Man, I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Yeah, with you. I haven't. I have I know that we're. We've wrapped principles on Obi Wan. We've, yep. uh, and that's about all I know. <laughs> that's that no, is sometime in apparently we're pretty far down the road in the uh, the the first movie to be released, which is the is uh, it the Rogue Squadron? Uh, film? Rogue Squadron. Movie it is okay. Yeah. Far down the road yeah, yeah. there too. And I don't know if you guys heard. I think well, I mentioned it in the chat the other day is that uh, there's a strong rumor now uh, about uh, a John Boyega led Finn project on Disney. I Plus just that, read like, something about show. that last night. Yeah, and it would explain why he's completely one uh one eighty in, in interviews uh regarding Star Wars and regarding Interesting. Uh, his position on Disney Plus. He's he's rolled it right back. Is that right? Saying so... that they they're having frank conversations and that was how it started and so you read okay, those good. in light of how visceral he was for a while. Sure. And, I uh, mean uh, you know, I mean everything there's always an angle when it comes to, you know, the the, the corporate uh, persona or the uh, the public persona of any entity, whether it's an actor or a big corporation. So surely yeah. there's uh, some that's discussion bad there. PR. That's bad PR coming from somebody like that. So like, you know what, if I, if I, I'd be surprised if they don't offer, um, uh, black widow. Oh my goodness. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. I'm going to be surprised if they don't offer her, her own mini series or her own Disney plus 
past show so, or her own animated series just to cleanse the palate of the negative. I had just heard because of the happening. because of the lawsuit. I I just heard something the other day about that they're actually trying to distance themselves from her. Oh wow! I also read something. I know it's not Star Wars related, but uh, on the Scarlett Johansson thing, that there's a rumor that she may have been offered a part in a DC movie. Hmm. Oh, so yeah. you know, hey, come jump yeah. ship. I mean, if she was still in the in the wheelhouse, I would accept her as Mary uh, Mara Jade. Oh, as Mara. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In right? a heartbeat. Would, you know, she was in still in, heartbeat, in the fold. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, I. There's a big statement by Kevin Feige that is solidarity with her. Like, yeah, like yeah, he yeah. He's right not happy said, with know, the way it's being handled. Right. Yeah. And, not at all. You know, I don't know what the streaming revenues would have been, but like, it's it's. Yeah, I, don't I know. guess if you're convinced that the character's done, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot to to do something like that. Yeah. The yeah. Potential yeah. of working just with Disney alone, uh, like she could be a Disney princess, live action mermaid. Yeah, for God's yeah, sake. yeah, for sure. For There's sure. all kinds of you know, she's a beautiful, talented actress. Um, but then I see you know, ostensibly the old idea is let's let's dump a truckload of money in John Boyega's. Uh, driveway to shut him up, <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I'm yeah. going to be happy with that because there was a, that there was a disservice to a strong character in the Force Awakens and and a, and an even more like a stronger actor. And yeah, I, man, and I have a lot of respect for him in the real world. That whole uh, talk about not paying off things in Star Wars and that whole we're in the sink, uh, falling through the quicksand. And he's like, Ray, I got to tell you something, and it never Done, pays right? off, you know. The, and to watch him. Uh, in that Black Lives Matter moment that he had when he gave that speech, yeah, and to watch yeah, yeah. him like n- not acting but be a real human being with yeah. real yeah, emotions, yeah. and re- and I just went, that's 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 my guy right there. Yeah. I can't wait for yeah, Attack yeah. the Block too. Oh, me too. I'm definitely looking forward to that. All right, guys. Any more? You anything? Uh, anybody wants to close out on before we uh, before we call today? Before we close up our first ever live stream. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't see it, I don't know why you're watching us. But if you didn't see it, it's worth watching. It's visually, it's stunning. It really is. They they, they do this thing this this season where they 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 they're doing quantum leaps in animation, episode for episode. So by the time you get to the finale, although it's dark, by the time you get to the finale, you're you're light years ahead in 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 the quality of the first episode. Yeah. And the one thing I actually noticed was sort of fixating on Omega. Yeah. And watching her character evolve so subtly. Uh, until like that, that, that the the tones, the, the the film grain, the eye movements, the water, the the emotions are perfect. They've they've if nothing else, they've they've moved uh, the animated acting so far down the line uh, that it's it, just that it's worth watching. And if you're a Star Wars fan and you know all those other things, uh, it's it's definitely uh, entrenched in the world. Perfect. Anything you want to close on, Andy? Well, I forgot to bring it up last year, but Hank kind of makes a good point on the animation and the palettes and whatnot. Yeah. But your normal underwater scene when, yes. like, say, Lake Placid, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. you look at the top and it's brown water. <laughs> yeah. You can't see anything. And then they show the I underwater forgot, bit yeah. and it's crystal clear. With the Bad Batch, it you can't see. There's debris everywhere. They did and that they reflect well. that yeah, in yeah. the quality of the water. It so, was, that again, was very well done. Like, super dark to see, but... It should be that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I guess I take for granted that you know there's a bl- there's a there's a line between you know uh, an entertainment property and and the level of realism. And I mean, we did we talked about that last yeah. week about you know how did she blow the door off of her tube with that much water pressure? And but you know what? It's space opera, and if I if I fixate on that too much, it's gonna it just takes away from the yeah. experience. So that's what a lot of people I. 
I got I, I I like to remind people that are, are casual fans when they yeah, get yeah. Weird, you know it's fantasy it's it's sci-fi fantasy before any of those other, it's as much Lord of the Rings oh my as gosh, it is yeah. Star Trek space right? it's, it's, it's space wizards space with laser wizards swords, and laser swords right? <laughs> you must you must suspend your disbelief uh, or you're gonna be you know so easy to do too yeah. once again. We've uh, we've come to the end of the first season of The Bad Batch. I, for one, uh, fully converted. I'm in for the long haul. As long as they keep doing what they're doing and, you know, give me those, uh, give me some resolution in season two. I want to see some of these, uh, you know, unresolved plot threads get wrapped up in season two. Please don't carry it all over down the road to three, four, five seasons. Uh, you know, especially... I'm going to get a bracelet that says, what would Dave Filoni do? <laughs> <laughs> and just trust funny. that uh trust that i hope i hope that i'm right about that and i i actually i think i am all right guys thanks for uh, joining us on our first ever uh fandom power live stream hope you guys enjoyed hanging out with us oh we got one more comment here just coming in here what do we got here oh thank you very much kim says great live show guys thank Woo, you so only much one swear. only one swear <laughs> one I from live you. in halifax guys one <laughs> from you and one from me oh what do i say uh, if you guys like this kind of thing, if you think we should do more of it, uh, shoot us a line, uh, drop it in the comments, uh, cause we'll be following kind of as comments trickle in on this, uh, this post later on. We definitely read everything. We know, uh, what you guys are saying to us and we certainly will react to it. Uh, if there's other things you want us to do, things you want us to cover, let us know because, uh, we are pop culture junkies here and we pretty much love it all. So let us know what, uh, what you guys want to see. And, After we uh, go off the air, is like, can people rewatch this? Is this absolutely, yeah. So this is going to stay up. Yep. You know, there's the, an audio version for the podcast. There's a, there will be an audio version that will go up uh, a little bit later once uh, Andy's had his uh, time to put his cool. magic on it. Uh, the only thing that hitches on us is uh, if uh, Disney decides to uh, kill us on the use of 50 seconds of their footage. I'm hoping right. that they won't, because uh, <laughs> we totally used it under fair use. Uh, so hopefully they do not. Um, that they don't uh, access because of that. But again, awesome. first ever live stream. I think it was relatively successful. I totally look forward to doing this again. Yeah, it was a blast. And, uh, you know, guys, until next time, when we do another season of a Star Wars property. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's it for me, guys. Don't and, forget to uh, like and subscribe. Do like and subscribe. Next, yeah, smash the button. Next, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so next year we got to wait a year, but it'll be the same batch time. Same batch channel. There it is, Bellas. All right, bye for now, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.
Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. And when your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? <laughs>